You can kick in your fancy yells. You can drink them by the flagon. But the only food for the brave and true comes from the green dragon. Welcome, strategy battle game players, to another episode of An Unexpected Podcast. And today, we have our usual hosts, Matt and Evan Iverson, our new host, uh, Ralisher, and also our guest, Kylie, who uh, actually participated in the Nova Open tournament uh, throughout this past Labor Day weekend, this uh, first weekend of September. And so today, we're going to be going over that. We're going to be going over, kind of, first off, just how Nova went in general, and then also, we're going to be going over Kylie and Evan's game. So they specifically were uh, in the top spots, top three spots for the Nova Open GT. So we're going to be going over their games. And also a lot of that will involve some back and forth between Kylie and different members of the podcast as uh, she went against a surprising amount of us on this team. So, Which which uh, I love that I got to fight all the the really tough opponents uh, on the course of this run through Nova, which was really exciting. And me too. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I uh I uh still myself of course remain undefeated at Nova. Um so I won't be really going through all of that. Uh so but you win by fiat. Yeah. <laughs> so so um so we're going to go over those. So First, just to, you know, just talk about Nova just for a little bit, touch on that before we get into the games themselves. Um, so for those who don't know, we have uh, Nova is a convention that runs four days. It is not all Lord of the Rings. It is actually 30 different game systems across an entire hotel that took place in D.C. And uh, throughout this hotel, there's many large gaming rooms uh, where you can participate, you know, in various events. And so within that, Lord of the Rings has Chaos and Ardor, which is a one-day event on Thursday, then doubles on Friday, which all of you did participate in. Yeah. And uh, I actually, did not, but yeah. Well, except for Alisher. No, yeah, that's right. You did not compete in that. And then um, then you have the GT this Saturday and Sunday. I mean, I guess just to touch on that, that's kind of the basics of it. I mean, anyone have any thoughts about this year's Nova versus previous ones, especially in the, the aspect of the hotel itself? I I would like them to figure out Wi-Fi. Yes, I would. Yes. I would very much like Agreed. that as well. <laughs> yeah, with with having this being my only Nova, the, the the lack of being able to connect to a Wi-Fi was extremely crippling, especially since I was you know coming from you know in uh, internationally. So it was like really awkward because I had no connectivity whilst I was playing yeah. the games. Well, I mean, not only I mean, not only was the Wi-Fi the, a problem, but um, there was no uh, there was no cell service down there too. Unless yeah, you well, had... for just us. So for yeah. like Sigmar across in the same room, but Sigmar across the hall, they weren't having what? quite the same issues. It was no, wow. literally right. in our spot. Is so we were just in blocked. an invariable dead zone. Like, yeah, it's just an we were in the Bermuda Triangle dead. of the Nerva. Yeah, because I, I went around, the Wi-Fi issue was talked about quite a bit, and uh, the you know how, like, we had um, the guy who was a troubleshooter for uh, Best Coast Pairings, the app we were using to actually run the tournament. He's actually the creator of the app. Um, he went over to the Sigmar players and noticed that they were running a, a 150-man tournament, and they weren't having any problem with players submitting their own scores, uh, for the most part. They had some issues, but not as nearly like what we were having. And so, yeah, it seemed like spotty. Like the 40K players, though, below us, oh, they're done. Like 
no one had any cell phone service. Oh, were they, were they down in like the dungeons on the floor below us? Oh, you never mm. saw the 40K room? No, I didn't. Yeah, that was, I, I went. It was a cool room. Eight. Yeah, yeah it, was like, you... it was like the, yeah. like the, un, the underdark, like a, like a, like a <laughs> subterranean coliseum. Yeah, it was like, a yeah, subterranean coliseum. That's, it that's what it cool. was. Like, it was so cool, actually. Um, Man, now that yeah, definitely check that out oh, next yeah. year if you go. But I'll it actually is a really cool room. Evan, did you see that room? Oh no, uh, the the two of us. I think we basically just saw like the the entrance hall and yeah. then our room. We well, I don't know what you did, Dad, but I did basically no exploring there. Yeah, I, I did. I did take a quick turn around the vendors, but that was about it. Okay. Um, See, I was yeah. lured down by the GW stand. I was like, I really was intent on getting a bunch of Lord of the Rings stuff. So I saw it all because of that. I'm, that's so strange. I submitted my scores for every single round. Had no issue with cell phone service or T-Mobile. Anything. Are you AT&T or T-Mobile? AT&T. That's why. Uh-huh. Verizon and, and the, yeah. it, it was the other mobile carriers. Verizon they were the ones zone. who couldn't. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So any AT&T player was able to submit the scores with no issue. I wasn't even in like the. I couldn't even see the event on the app. I I just had absolutely nothing. Well, that caused us a tremendous amount of issues. But well, oh, tremendous. We we got around it pretty easily actually. Just we just had everyone line up to submit your scores to the scorekeeper, which is traditional actually how we've usually done it anyway. Um, yeah. So so actually, it was a pretty easily mitigated problem, but very annoying nonetheless. Um. It, so. I talked with them, and as far as future years, it's going to be a little tough. Apparently, that hotel charges per user on the Wi-Fi. And so if Nova were to make Wi-Fi accessible to everyone, just even the Lord of the Rings GT itself would be a a large cost. I'm not sure what the cost is, but it's something like $50 a player or something of that nature. Oh, my. Yeah, so they they charge an an extreme amount. So that's why they did not extend the Wi-Fi house. Perhaps a different hotel. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, that could be another question. <laughs> so, yep. um, the hotel itself, I mean, as you saw from just the food prices, uh, was pretty expensive. So now, you know, imagine how they're gouging the convention owners. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, just um, to give you a sense of how expensive the 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 convention food prices, I used to have two children. Now I just have one. Um, but we ate. So. <laughs> there you go. Yes, we ate that child. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, the saved, job done. you probably saved several hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> it was insane how expensive the food was, especially considering the venues like in a super populated area with like plenty of other food options. <laughs> so it's not mm. like it was hard to yeah. walk down the street. But, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that was probably the most business that Universal Donut has seen in a long time. <laughs> So, for Which, those by you, the way, yeah. I, I hate to spoil it, Dad. Did not sell donuts, as far as well, I could tell. No, it it sold donuts. It did not sell many of them. So, Universal Donuts was this little. Um, I mean, it was literally a like hole in the wall, um, like you know, breakfast and lunch place across the street from uh, um, from the hotel um, that was run by this um, very nice. Korean couple that I think was about 130 years old and you know you would go in there and you know you would you would order your sandwich or whatever at, at one point though we went in for breakfast and I was like all right you know this is universal donuts I'll get a donut 
and then we're looking around and we're like, well, where are the donuts? And they had they had one like cellophane top box of, of donuts that they, you know, appeared to have been purchased at the local supermarket. Um, <laughs> <They re-sold. laughs> yeah, that's right. And inside were like four like chocolate covered glazed donuts. And those were <clears throat> those were all of the donuts in Universal Donut when we were in there. So what did they sell? I mean, they they had sandwich. They had like egg sandwiches and and other sandwiches that's, for. That's, for so they just like kind forgot of to rename so. the store. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I All think right. there were there were a grand total of I think four donuts in Universal Donut when we went in there. So. <laughs> Got it, but that's actually kind of hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, well, outside of the Wi-Fi, I mean. You know, we won't really dive into the convention itself since we're going to be dedicating most of this podcast to uh, to the the, uh, the matches that Kylie and Evan played. But overall, yeah, new venue. We'll figure out the whole Wi-Fi situation, even if we have to move the Lord of the Rings table and swap with Sigmar. I don't know, but um, but overall, successfully run event, and uh, you know, I imagine anyone else have one final mentions before we go into the uh, the uh, the matches. No, let's go into the list of matches. All right. All right. So, as mentioned, Kylie and Evan took top spots. We won't spoil who actually won the event until the end of it, assuming you don't know already and are not on Facebook. But You've been living uh, in a hole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a hat on. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so, the door shut. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, it could also be, you know, some of our listeners in outer Mongolia who just don't have access to, to yeah. any of this information. So. It's a good thing they have access to our podcast then. That's right. We're covering it for you today. They don't have access to a democratic government, but they have access to our podcast. <laughs> so go ahead, Kylie. Uh, well, for your first match, who'd you go against? Do All right. Well, 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 actually, before kinda, we do that, oh, okay. lists. We need to know. Ah, what yes. That's, that's well, what I was about to list? dive into. So I, I, TLDR is I've been running the Dragon Emperor on my crazy round the world tour. Um, uh, during this trip, and I decided to heed the advice of a couple of uh, guys that I met up at uh, Articon, uh, specifically Michael Bradford and Kevin from the Netherlands, and they were basically singing Brogius praises to me the entire tournament, saying I was a fool not to take Brogius. So I'm like, all right, fine, I'll take Brogius. I'll see how good it is. So Why I you listen out- to them, Kylie. Why? Why? Well, <laughs> as you'll find out, Brogius pretty good. <laughs> He's pretty good. So I had the Emperor, uh, my girl Ratabi, who uh, decided that now that she was off UK soil, decided to absolutely go gangbusters in in this uh, tournament. And I had Bro Gear and the same kind of similar uh, uh, makeup on my list. I did drop the amount of archers I had from five to three, and I I deeply regretted that because uh, I I figured oh, I know I'm in America, everyone's just gonna just run at me you know or, or i'm just gonna run out at them you know because why would i need extra bows if everyone's you know gonna be a horde shooting or horde combat i'll take the shields and then yeah i found out that i really could have used a couple of extra bows but that that aside i had 30 models uh break emperor uh handful of cav the drum of course and some some acolytes and a drake so it's pretty pretty all around can deal with a lot of things and yeah as we got a out, question the drake do you like it <laughs> I do actually. I really do like it. It bailed me out in a couple of little uh, situations. It bailed me out bigger when I was over in the UK at Worcester, 
Um, but I just like it as an, an extra tool, right? Because you've got the terror, you've got the two attacks, uh, two wounds at defense five. So you're actually like not super tanky, but a tanky enough that if you're on the flank or guarding like your back or guarding an objective, one one or two warriors find it hard to actually get in and actually break through the Drake. And the Drake has like a great scare factor, right? Because because you've got that um that poison rule going. If you can get the Drake into any any target with say a Rutabi, which is pretty easy on a 25 mil base, uh, and get a wound through, it can really mess with your opponent like a single wound through on a Mumak, a single wound through on a on a um on a cow, on a troll, on on any sort of mid range hero, um, and they're not looking too crash hot going in the the further turn. So, I think even just one in every dragon emperor list, any Eastling list, I think is worth it because it just gives you another tool. And I'm going to be talking about tools a lot uh, going on in this game. But why would you leave a, a tool at home just because you don't know how to use it? I think it, that's a that's a that's a failing on the player's part to not recognize how you can. I guess because they don't make model. the models is why most players don't. Ah, I, have, I mean, I have I have many friends with 3D printers, so I was able to I was, ah, I was able to get Jeremy to run <laughs> off like half a dozen of these little drakes. So yeah, I I, I really enjoyed it. The, the Drake was super clutch in a couple of scenarios. All right, well then, uh, should we go over Evans' list? Or you just want to jump into the first yeah. game? Yeah, yeah, go Evans' list, and then we'll okay. we'll do games. All right. Well, Kylie was just talking about all of her her planning and thought that went into this Easterling list and how she'd been practicing it all this time. Um, I decided on my list, I'd say about a week before um, I was going to Nova, I got one practice game in and then I was ready to go. So um, I basically um, made the list off of, I guess it was a bit of a meta call that I did. Um, I didn't really see a lot of um, terror and stuff like that at Articon. So I thought, well, um, I'll take a list that does really well against um, the, uh, the the big legendary legions like Assault on Lothlorien and the Easterlings. I think it does pretty well against both those legions. Um, yeah, uh, so I just took it um slapped down the list I had taken like maybe a year ago to a to a random local tournament. I'm like, oh, I'll take that. So it ended up being uh Azog on the Warg um in Pits of Dogledor with uh two Hunter captains with with nothing nothing else uh as their war gear and then uh Thrain the Broken because I wanted the war the warband drop. Um and then just I think it was in total nine hunter orcs um and then something like 20 ish gundabads um and then uh a couple fell wargs uh and a banner in there as well so it ended up being 38 models a pretty solid list uh, had some big weaknesses obviously but it also had um big strengths as well so I just took it and I'm like, oh, I think this will be fun. It might do well. So, and as uh, far as not taking the keeper, I had a couple comments of uh, players who were watching you play the Pits of Gold They say they usually take the keeper. Do you, your opinion on that? Just one more March. <laughs> so I it, March wasn't the problem. I already have like a ton of March in there. Um, my main thought process was was twofold which is that my I have a very um I have a very all or nothing playstyle in the sense that if I try to engage an opponent's uh hero I generally do it to kill it um and the keeper is 
intrinsically a very risky model to play in that if you lose any fight at any point in time, he is probably dead um, because he is two wounds, no fate. Um, and generally, Five I don't... Uh, six defense, six. but with a strength four mm-hmm. hero on average, if they're three attacks, uh, they can maybe burn a might point or something like that, and he's, he's yeah. dead like that, right? Um, and that's not really how I like to play my games. I like to generally use my big heroes to to threaten uh, the opponent's heroes, try and burn resources off of them, burn might, and then maybe go in when I have an opportunity and a guaranteed kill, uh, and the rest of the time just focus on the warriors. And I think the hunter arc captains are much better at killing warriors because of their additional attack, um, compounded with the the fact that I also get, I think it was three three or four more models um taking the hunter or captains compared to the keeper so that was my thought process behind it there were a couple situations where i think the keeper may have been more useful especially in my final game which we will talk about um later but um i was pretty happy with the the two captains all right well then so we'll go into probably your thoughts on that list in a further review of like pits of Dumbledore Legion. I don't think we've done a review of that list on this podcast. So it'd be interesting to dive into later on. So I guess, Kylie, your first game. And if you don't remember the player's name, I mean, I assume there's three players you certainly will know the names of. I do. Because, uh, (laughs) as always, I've got my, my, my playbook. Okay. Uh, which has all of the names of my opponents I've written up at the top because I forget. (laughs) I, I have a brain like a sieve. So I forget names like, that so i made sure to write them all down and stuff so that i could you know give everyone their proper due when i do my little recaps and stuff but i was up against uh avery in uh round oh, okay. one and he was uh playing uh pizza dogodore as well uh very similar composition actually he went with uh two captains although one captain was a gundabad captain uh instead of a hunter or captain uh, just to have an option i guess as a, a tanking force you know defense seven can be helpful in certain situations um and yeah we opted into capture and control uh which i i sort of expected because i figured eh, i don't really want to play domination and my opponent doesn't want to play breakthrough against a drum so i figured yeah it's probably going to end up with capture and control which i was i was fine with but uh what made our game really interesting was the this terrain feature we had in the center of the board we had this um ship that was like broken in two so the center of the ship was clear and open but you still had the, the other, like, the bow and the stern of the ship just kind of, like, half sticking up out of the ground and all these, like, little pools of water everywhere. So it essentially meant that the outer objectives were blocked off by terrain from this from, from the center. So you had basically three corridors you had to fight down and contest because it's capturing the control. If you don't contest the objectives, you're in, uh, in a bit of a, a, a kind of a rough spot. So... I knew into this game it was it was going to be on me to get to the objectives because I was outnumbered uh, quite heavily. That was one thing I noticed that pretty much I think every game I played at this tournament, I was outnumbered in some way, shape or form. Uh, that was both in the doubles and in um, singles. So, yeah, it was it was an interesting start. I kind of like kept the Dragon Emperor back and left a, a gap for Azog if he wanted to come into that gap. But Rutabi was sitting just in front of the Emperor with the, with the shield wall in front. So it kind of had, like, the shield wall here, the Emperor here, and then there's just void here between the terrain feature and the shield wall. And was trying to, like, bait models into that to basically set up a kill box. And my opponent did this nasty little trick where he 
you throw all the wags in with the felsite to peel everything off and pin everything in place. And then as I went in, just full aggression, threatened her at combat, didn't know where it was going to go. So I was forced to spend some might early to try and like counter that off. Uh, I was debating whether to go with Tremor on Troop or Tremor on Azog, but I figured since Azog is such a key part of this list, I, I, I just need to get pressure. And my goal wasn't to get the knockdown or the strength hit through. The goal was just to knock off some might points, make him, you know, maybe he hits a five on a resist and he's fourth to burn some might and stuff like that. Um, but turns out when you, when you just roll sixes, uh, <laughs> every single time you go to cast a spell, it doesn't really matter. So, he resisted the first uh, couple of um, uh, tremors uh, and cost him all his uh, will points to do so. But I was kind of annoyed that I didn't get one or two of those might points, uh, which was pretty crucial going in forward. And we kind of ground out a bit. Uh, he kind of pushed, really pressured my right and left flank. And it was one of those weird ones where like one side did amazingly well for me and the other side did horribly. So for instance, his hunter or captain on the right flank went in to just a single guy with couple of pike supports and then all three pike supports and, and the guy just went three wounds take off the hunter or captain i'm like okay that's a good start and then on the other side with playing the broken and stuff uh single hunter orc just charges the drake and kills it in one shot just straight up double fives and i'm like okay all right well i guess we're playing this kind of a game now uh kept grinding each other down uh to the point where azog no longer had the appeal he needed around him and i was able to win a clutch heroic move off uh and get the imprint as of through through the blade wrath in and struck up figuring well if i strike up we're going to force out Azog's might points now have the elven blade i'm a good chance to win the combat and yeah it turns out having an elven blade is really really good because i won the roll up on the elven blade roll did four wins to Azog, knocked off all his fate knocked off a lot of his might and Azog was like yeah i'm i'm out of here and just popped the surprise attack next turn and just legged it uh, completely disengaged from the fight. So I was like, well, Azog's out of the fight now. It's just it's just a slow grind to get on the objectives. And it was really tricky to do so because my, my opponent was doing really well at like boxing out and making sure that whenever he lost combat, he was backing away towards the objectives and keeping me screened off it. So I was having to like do shenanigans with like acolytes throwing weapons to open up corridors and then sending models past the combats to create control zones so that Azog and the reinforcements couldn't get in so that I had chances to kill the models on the objective to flip them back. So I managed to do that on the right side, but not on the left. And the middle was just such a, it was just a massive grind. And then the first time we got to to roll to see if the game ends, I am so thankful that the Eastling army bonus exists because I was able to force the, the game end on a one to be re-rolled uh, and keep the game going, which allowed me to rack up some points because there was three or four opportunities in this game where if the game had ended on that first roll, it would have been a minor win to me instead Ooh. of a major win. And I really wanted that major win. It was like, I, I, I lucked out on the game, just keep going. And going. I lie, this is like the first time I've ever heard anyone's Easterling army bonus being clutch. Yeah, it, it came in <laughs> clutch, like so clutch, like, I was like, I, I had I had the game, I think, wrapped up. There was a couple of times where he, like, he could have maybe swung it back, but the nail in the coffin was uh, on the first time Azog takes a courage chest. Uh, not the first time, because he has the Hero of Legend auto-pass, but the second time. Turns out throwing all those tremors at Azog really did matter because he rolled snake eyes on his first courage chest and legged it off the board with the white log. So No way. Yeah, what? that was like... What? what does that take? He's courage, what, six? I think he's courage, courage five. five. Courage five, but 
He's out of so you need three point. points. Of, oh wow, that's yeah, so, terrible. So, Rotabi did a job. Rotabi uh, got into Aslog a couple of turns earlier, but she died to Aslog. But it was she took off three might points off Aslog. Yeah. And then when the Emperor went in after the correct moves and stuff had uh, kind of come through, and I struck up and forced Aslog to might to get the six, he was out of might too. So he had literally no stats left to try and avoid, like literally the doubles, one wound, yeah. no fate, no might, no will, no might or fate or will on the white wag. It was just him. So yeah, it turns out. The tremors and, and just putting pressure on him paid paid me in dividends because he he ran and at that point i went well the game's mine it's time to secure and, and link up objectives so i was like doing things like drumming my whole army even though i had to get charges off just so i could get to his back objective and yeah i i lucked out eventually i got onto the objective secured a 10 10 nil victory and uh yeah eventually the game game finally ended on the on a roll where i i had everything secured all right. Yes. That, super that's... close. Super dicey at the start. Had to really, really claw it back. So two things just for all the listeners um, is uh, one uh, that Nova played on a veto system. So you may have noticed Kylie got to choose that she wanted to play uh, capturing control. It's the same with all the players. You all, they all get to veto one scenario. So they end up playing the best for themselves in that pool. Theoretically, assuming they do it correctly. Um, and then the second thing, Nova actually does not have basic boards with generic terrain is generic per board. Actually, every board changes drastically and uh, it's based on the themes of different areas of Middle-earth. So the boards will probably impact heavily their play style. In this case, you played in the ice bays of Forichel. Uh, that's what that ship was. It's, it's uh, artifice yeah. ship. Yeah. So, so um, all right. Well, then... <laughs> and it sounds like it had more of an impact than I thought. Cause normally it, I put the ships had, down um, like, and I'm like, yeah, this is just a thing. <laughs> Specifically in this scenario, because because you have that that cross of objectives, yeah, it it completely changed the the, the landscape of the game because you you had to pick where you picked a, a model to go. It was basically where they were more or less locked in for the rest of the game. There wasn't really options to reinforce back like fully back or clutch like you could normally do because these two basically halves of the ship just creating this big line of sight blocking is was just it was absolutely brutal and. I'm lucky I had the acolytes in this regard because I was able to do some cheeky little, you know, jump up yeah. at the top, run across the bow, and then jump down the backside. Mm-hmm. So I got a couple of those little things, like kind of, kind of working for me. But at the same time, it was screwing up my ability to to reinforce and get traps and surrounds because my my opponent, like Avery, was doing a really good job of hugging these terrain features, like mm-hmm. like they were they were worth their weight in gold. Which in this game they were because I was struggling to get. Once I had really kind of like laid in and killed a lot of the, hunt- the hunter orcs and the Gundabads, I just couldn't get that last little push where I could just swamp, get the traps that I need, and convert the kills. So, yeah, I got lucky that uh, Azog ran away on that on that last turn there because I think uh, if Azog stays on his wild for that one more turn, I think it, I think that game was definitely going to be uh, a minor win, not not the major that I ended up getting. By, by the way, I talked to Avery about this. That was not the only time that Azok ran away during this tournament. I think he. Oh no! I, I th- there were there. Were, I think two other times where Azog rolled a two or a three on a uh, on a courage check, and uh, I think one one of the one of those times I think was just a courage check to charge or something like that. But the other was also to run away, and I think he ran away again. <laughs> oh <laughs> so, no! 
That's so Because my heart goes yeah. out to me on that. Because, like, that, that's so rough. And you got, like, this 100 and, what, 225-point model on WAG? Yep. On the white WAG. So, yeah, we actually talked about at the end of the game about whether or not um, it was worth dismounting Azog to get the white WAG's Fearless to stick around. Because the Fearless would have uh, been quite helpful. It could have even forestalled and made that uh, game turn into a minor. But um, at the end of the day, like, Hats off to him. He made a call of like, no, I I desperately need that extra attack on the charge. It it's I can too, I can roll above a two. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he he valued that extra attack. And like that's the kind of decision making you have to make at these these points in the game. And I think that really, really like shows his presence of thought of like, no, if I lose one combat, I'm only defense five. A single Easterling here winning a random combat could just break Azog's back and just I can just lose my leader. But at the same time, he was like I need that extra attack to ensure that I have the best odds of winning combats every other turn. Um, and yeah, I mean, Azog, he's only strength five. And I know that sounds weird, but um, to say he's only strength five, but he doesn't have a two mana weapon. He doesn't have any of these fun stuff that like Bolg and like Dwarven heroes have to get all these extra plus one to wounds and stuff like that. So he really relies on that knockdown. So, I mean, sometimes yeah, it, it pays off and keeping the wag is 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 good and other times like this uh maybe the dismount was the way to go all right well then let's see uh maybe evan's thoughts on that whole thing throughout his games i guess evan your first game do you remember the opponent and who you win again or what army that well obviously army. yeah you know the opponent so um yeah so so i rocked up to this tournament i was super excited i'm like okay I've noticed that there are very few Dragon Emperor Legendary Legions at this tournament. So I was super excited because at Articon, I had played either three or four Dragon Emperor Legendary Legions in the GT. And it was just over and over and over again playing the same list. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'll play a different list. Round one, I go up to my opponent. I'm like, hey, what you got? He's got, he's like, Dragon Emperor. (laughs) All right. So... Uh, it's still so weird because I never went against off. a single Dragon Emperor in Articons. I didn't <laughs> either. I like <laughs> Evan no, Devin, got you tortured play, with you all. played it once. That's oh, I that's did. Actually yes, quite sorry. impressive because there was like twenty plus Dragon Emperors at Articons. So I like them. really tailored my list for Articon for a Dragon Emperor or a Sultan Lothlorien. Did not play either of them a single time. Wow, yeah. but I did I, play them once. I, I played three or four, I think, at Articon. The Iversons are just doomed to fight on <laughs> Dragon yeah. Emperor. There, there's, there's a picture that I think... Bane of the East. Yeah. I, I can't remember who took it. I think Avery took it or somebody took it. Of, of I was playing I was playing Contest of Champions, Emperor versus Emperor, of the two Emperors just going like this with their... You know, oh, Rainier took it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah took it, yeah, with their swords like pointed straight out toward each other. But... Which 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 kind of encapsulated Articon for me. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting you say that because there was a um, a Masters game that had the same thing happen where it was I think it was Capture and Control two emperors basically just sitting in front of each other both played Rastop both went into each other and it just it literally came yeah. down to a roll off and one just went I guess I win smash yeah. and just kills the other one. Well, for, fortunately, only one emperor had Blade Wrath on them and it was mine. So uh, yes, but... yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. All right. Well, I I had this uh, incredibly uh, this this unique list that I had never seen before. Um, so uh, thankfully, though, because I had played against it so many times at Articon, 
uh, I was pretty well versed on what it can do and what it can't do. Um, so basically, immediately what I knew I wanted in this objective game is I didn't want it to go in the center. Um, so I was very happy when uh, he vetoed first and he vetoed domination, because then I was able to veto capture and control, and we played a uh, breakthrough, which is a scenario where generally you do want to deploy in the center, but it doesn't always seem like you want to deploy in the center, and... Unfortunately for him, uh, this is this is Daniel Helbig, by the way. Sorry, I forgot to mention his mm. name. Lovely guy. Um, he he took that bait and he instead chose to deploy his entire army on the left side near one of the breakthrough objectives. Breakthrough has two objectives on each side and then one objective each in the back um, of the board. Uh, so I basically went, okay, right, this is perfect. So I put my entire army straight up um, as far forward as I possibly could on the line as opposed to his. I had a bit more models, um, so I was able to throw some of them off to the side to go and grab and wrap up the objectives. Um, He put most of his army uh, on that left side and a portion with Rurgir and the archers back towards the the back objective, sort of uh, trying to use his range uh, to to do some damage to me. Um, uh, Round one, basically... Was it was a bit of a stalemate. I sort of just ran in, um, didn't do a lot of damage. He was rolling a lot of sixes um, to to win fights with his guys, so he was killing a decent number of my guys. But I was able to um, uh, go go in, call the heroic combat with Azog, and uh, he did not call the heroic strike with the Emperor. So I sent Azog right into the Emperor. Um, I did. I think it was uh, either two or three wounds, and he just rolled awfully with his fate. Um, so it ended up being the emperor was on uh, one wound, no fate at the end of that exchange. So it was very good for me. And now the emperor needed to be super scared all the time. Um, and then after that, um, I called ambush on the next turn and I was able to get a lot of stuff done on that turn. Um, I charged Azog into two guys, called a heroic combat. Um, he at that point saw the opening on the emperor. So he called the heroic strike but um, unfortunately for him, uh, Rutabi, who was also in charge range of Azog, did not call the heroic strike. So Azog went in. I think he burnt like yeah. two might to kill Rutabi. He botched the roll, um, but he ended up killing Rutabi anyways. Um, and unfortunately, on the same turn, um, beforehand, he hadn't cast anything with Rorgir. He was trying to conserve the will, but he pushed Rorgir just a little too far forward. Um, and I was able to run just a captain on his own into Brorgear. Um, I think I got a trap in there. Um, and just the captain just went in, killed Brorgear like that. Um, and at that point, it was going to be very tough for him to get back, even though I think he was a little bit ahead on kills uh, compared to me at this point. Um, and then, yeah, at that point, it was pretty much over. He was super low on my points. Um and I was able to get Azog in, start calling heroic combats, and start burning might points off of the Emperor, um, forcing him to heroic strike. And eventually, obviously, he ran out of might points. And then Azog went in and killed the Emperor. And at that point, it was pretty much over. Um, I ended up uh, not quite breaking this game. He got very close to breaking me, but not quite. Um, and I had all of the objectives uncontested. Um, I killed the emperor and I'd broken him. So it ended up being a 12-0. Um, he was a lovely guy. Um, I think honestly his his biggest mistake in that game was um 
was just his deployment. He deployed a little bit back in the left-hand corner, um, which really didn't allow him to contest any objectives in that game, um, which allowed me, even if, you know, his heroes had done a little bit better or the dice had gone a little worse um, my way uh, and he had broken me, I still would have been on the objective. So I still would have been able to guarantee the win, basically. Yeah, pool three is such such a deployment intense like set of scenarios because if you're not in the right position you don't have the good you won't have the avenues later on to actually get in on the objectives and that's 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 why i i constantly tell so many players like it, even if you have a shooting army in pool three you need to be on the objectives you need to you need to be at that center line so you can go to where you need to go and contest because that particularly that center objective or um particularly in a um, uh, breakthrough, you you need to have the avenue to get to that back objective as quickly as possible. And the, the closest way to get to it, the, the shortest possible route is center of the belt board, down the guts. So, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you there. Fantastic takedown on the Rikabi too, by the way. I, I think he had... He had really two options in this scenario. He could either just go right on the center line and then just fight it out and then send guys over to the objectives afterwards, or he could pop, I'd say, just out of six inches of the center and then call the drum and then try and use his maneuvering, uh, his superior maneuvering power to his advantage and get around into the objectives and defend that way. And unfortunately, he deployed not on the center line on the left, but within charge range of my guys. So I was able to get in, charge him in. Yeah. I had one warband in the middle that I heroic marched forward and wrapped around that flank so he couldn't get any guys around to get into the objectives. And at that point, it was pretty much over. All right. So I guess uh, for the next game, Kylie, of round two, what was the pool? Round two. Announced? Uh, round two was, I believe, the maneuvering scenarios. Uh, so that Storm the Camp, Reconnoiter, and Divide and Conquer. And I had a pretty good idea of what was going to get played before uh, we even started the thing. Uh, I am not playing Storm the Camp against Assault and Lothlorien, uh, particularly Samir's Assault and uh, Lothlorien. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not running into all those bows bunking in the corner. So I, I threw that right out, and Samir, by the same token, was like, I am playing the Dragon Emperor with 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 drum shenanigans in Reconnoiter, <laughs> so we're kind of like handshaking on the divide and conquer. Um, this was really interesting because the deployment was was incredibly, incredibly deployment uh, important, particularly on which sides you were going to commit uh, which warbands. So Samir was always going to be two two. I was going to be two one. So the question came was like, do I put Brogir and Ratabi in the same group and create like a little hit squad? Or do I sack Rutabi and or Brogear and keep the majority of my force together? And in the end, I kind of like went half and half. I put Rutabi on her own with the Acolytes and the, and the Wardrake and then put everything else with the Emperor and Drum. Uh, my original plan going into this game was I, I got to, I didn't get to pick uh, the corners, but I figured the one of the corners would give me a pretty clear run straight at uh, Mozgar. And then after I saw the deployment and saw how leaning to the Rutabi side of his like semicircle in his corner, I was like, hmm, maybe I just run a Druzag here. Uh, cause the, the double transfix could be really like could be a problem in terms of like slowing down my my kill potential. So I was like, I changed 
changed tactics uh, and strategy basically on turn one after I'd lost priority and, and ran directly at um, at Drizag with everything I had. Rutabi tried to be cute, hide behind some rocks with the Acolytes, and that actually turned out to be very, very impactful because it meant that the Goblin Archers that Samir did have, and hats off to Samir here recognizing the importance of getting positioning on the table, didn't bother to move half and shoot for the first two turns of the game. He just ran everything straight forward, like, Full, full sprint, straight forward, straight towards the middle, calls march, gets the goblins in a good position so that I would be threatened going into turn three, four, and onwards. And I had to get really creative with how I was positioning the Tabi around this little rock, like trying to hug it as much as possible to limit space so that no more than a single um, enraged spider or bat could get into me because I was like, I was terrified of getting a spider and a bat into uh, Rutabi at all times. So basically, the whole game for me was trying to make sure that my heroes weren't going to be fighting anything more than just one scary beast, not two. And that turned out really well. So first turn, managed to get in, dismount the the orc captain and eventually kill it. But uh, in re- in return, he bought enough time that Muzgar and the Goblin Shaman got in range and then basically just went to Rotabi. You're going to be transfixed for the, the next six turns. And I'm like, cool. That's That's... <laughs> That's what I want to see with my 110-point model just sitting there doing nothing for the majority of the game. Um, and Samir played this absolutely gorgeously. It, it, the way he was navigating these combats was just... There's no other word I can describe it other than sublime. Um, he did this uh, gorgeous pivot where he was making it look like he was going for an enraged beast to kill Rotabi, and then instead pivoted to a fury to get the auto-pass courage so that he could put Drizag and a, and a couple of spiders into the cave, into the Wardrake that was regarding Rutabi's back so that she couldn't get trapped and surrounded by everyone. And I was just like, that's, that's an amazing pivot. Like, I had to come up with a, a strategy like, all right, how do I, how do I stop this? Because Rutabi's going to be fighting a bat and the spider this turn, and she's transfixed, so she can't call action to get out of it. All right, what have I got? And then I ended up sneaking Brogear into a combat, right combating, through the gap that I just made off the kill, hoping that my pikes would do the work, and then managing to peel the bat swarm off the combat, meaning Rotabi was able to use her might just to win the combat against a random spider. And that was what the game turned into, was these small little micro moments of like him doing all these crazy things where he's calling her at combats with Drizak to push spiders into priority targets, and I'm trying to do the same thing with my own shamans to like create openings. Uh, he did this really cheeky transfix on Brogear, and I, I was like, why are you transfixing Brogear? And then I looked at the table again and went, oh, Brogear is the one that's currently holding up this gap that I need to get in and peel off the, the bat swarm, and he got the transfix off, and I was like so, so worried because a spider and a bat went into Rotabi, and I, the, the, word, the one situation I've been trying to avoid, the whole game happened, and yeah, Rotabi fighting an enraged spider and a bat swarm, I'm like, Right, there goes Rotabi, I'll cross her off. But I got very lucky on the Tawin roll and the spider just it just couldn't get the wounds through. Just got you got a couple through, um, but you know, three wounds and two fate, just take them on the chin and she'll be right. So it was able to fight back there. I collapsed the entirety of Drizag's kind of warband uh in his corner. Uh the, the the penalty for doing so though was meant I gave up the inside track and center objective. And center objective is worth the most points. So I'm like I'm trying to like whole time like I'm spending like two, three turns I figure how do I get to the center? How do I get to the center? How do I capture this center or at least 
take away the the five points for having it uncontested and trying to get it down to the three points because I have one side on the two. I've got the break without being broken. Um, and I should be able to sneak in the leader wound or something here. And yeah, I went hyper aggressive with the Emperor, drummed him straight onto the middle with the intention to dismount uh, next turn. But he, he caught me flat footed with a, with a um, with a sneaky prowler, like killing a guy and then opening up a hold and charging the Emperor. And I was like, crap, I can't dismount now. Uh, I was forced into calling some heroic defenses and went for some Hail Mary um, jump tests and stuff. This is where the Acolytes once again came in clutch. You know, the, the plus two uh, to jump test to be able to charge still was saving my ass because I had two acolytes jump over a wall, charge some prowlers that were trying to fight the Emperor, which pulled off a significant number of attacks from the Emperor's combat. So the Emperor, instead of fighting, you know, eight, nine goblins trapped and surrounded, only was fighting, I think, by the end of the turn, four goblins trapped and surrounded. So eight strikes through heroic defense is a lot more manageable than copying, you know, 16 strikes through defense where suddenly, you know, you're starting to lose some stuff. So the Emperor just, you know, took one wound, threw it, sent it away with some fate, and I was able to next turn get the dismount, capture the center, and that's basically all she wrote. And then once again, I, I talked about it before, how the army bonus was keeping me in the game. The army bonus, once again, uh, prevented the minor win and allowed me to get a, a crushing win. Uh, get get that major win by getting double VP just by extending the game an extra couple of turns, which was all the time I needed just to secure up so middle, secure up. <laughs> it's just yeah, like, it was just like, like, and I'm like, I, I said, I said to Samir, I'm like, I'm sorry, mate, I'm gonna have to pull you to re-roll that dice, and he's like, really, you've already got the win. I'm like, this is a tournament, man. I, I gotta chase all the VPs I can. He's like, yeah, all right, fair enough. Uh, I don't begrudge you that. So forced the re-roll, was able to just punch through, kill Mozgar, grab the center, and. Yeah, uh, but I won that game eleven zero according to my notes. So, yeah, it was it was a it was a really really like micro intensive game. Um, like each of us just trying to jostle just to get models in the way and pin stuff so that we could get that one situation where we wanted where we had he had two base against two, one of my heroes and I, I had nothing to kill. Then the one time he got it out was the the one time where he just he just couldn't convert the kill. Mir is actually one of the top philly players um, yeah i'm listening you guys carved up my philly guys like uh, i mean you're about to talk about your round you guys like carved them up man well, you know what's you know what's really interesting because i i know who kylie played three of the players that kylie played were from new england and at least two were from philly and i'm wondering who that other one was um but, I guess we're uh, on our count. Avery, the first match that Kylie yeah, mentioned, yeah. is a New England player. He's New England, yeah. yeah. And um, and then then you hit Samir, who's Philly. Um, oh, so Maryland. We'll One of game. them was from Maryland. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've got it here. It was Steven. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's not Steven was the one. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Like, he was he's not one of ours. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's not really silly. <laughs> he's just a random guy to me. You know? yeah. I, I, I will say, I will say, what was a big shock to me, uh, particularly, I, I was like reflecting at the end of round two when we were eating lunch. I was like, holy cow, these these Americans are forcing me to like go into like that next gear because like when you're playing, there's always like a couple of stages of like where you're at in terms of compatibility and like where your brain functions at. And every time I, I kept playing, I'm like, my standard gameplay isn't going to work. I have to really get wacky and creative. So I was constantly finding myself having to shift in the sixth pretty much every game. I don't think there was a game where I 
didn't have an opportunity like where I I couldn't afford the luxury of like kind of overclocking and getting to that point where I'm like really thinking in in abstract thoughts and coming up with really weird ways of setting an engagement or setting a fight because these games are rough like they were they were making me sweat like this is me game particularly like it felt like I had control in terms of like the kills on the board but the thing that was constantly in the back of my head the whole game was I'm not on the objectives I'm not on the objectives I'm not on the objectives and like I could see Samir what he was angling for he was angling to 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 screen me off and and secure the objectives that way and I was just I was I was dreading this this super aggressive push forward at some point and and boxing me off the objectives but he was too afraid of the crack back with my my cavalry and with the emperor that he didn't go for it and yeah kind of saved me a little bit all right well then evan uh since we're going into your game that uh alisher is alluded to go ahead what what would you have happened on round two yeah well um after that uh, pretty big win uh, in the first round, I knew I was uh, slated to play up on top tables. So I thought, uh, well, I'd say that uh, Easterlings um, generally with their their low model counts probably wouldn't do super well in this scenario. So even if they win their games, they probably wouldn't score super well. So I was super excited to play against a non-Easterling list. Uh, came up against this lovely guy, Alex, who I believe is also from Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what you playing? And he's like, oh, yeah, I brought Easterlings. <laughs> okay. So uh, I I was up against my second Easterling list of the tournament. Um, as far as I was aware, every single person at this tournament had brought Easterlings because that's all <laughs> I've seen. Um so, uh, On international levels, too. Just yeah. <laughs> everyone just brought <laughs> They're just all Easterlings. I want an oh, Australian to make a meme and just be like, just hordes of Easterling picture armies, pictures of Easterling armies, and be like Evan's nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get on it. I'll get Sean on it. Don't worry. I'll have it for you by the end of the day. What What we need to do is we need to get that picture of uh, that Renair took of the the two emperors doing this, and that's going to be the that's the epitome of the new meta right there. That picture. Oh, what, what, what you need to do then is uh, Photoshop Evan's face in between the middle of the <laughs> Just terrified. <laughs> All right. Well, I think this was like either my fifth or sixth Easterling list I had played against in the past two weeks um, because I had played a ton of them at Articon as well. So I was like, yippee, more Easterlings. Um, so this was... Um, what were the options? There's Reconnoiter, Storm the Camp, and Divide and Conquer, right? Got it. Um, so we ended up playing uh, Reconnoiter, which I was I was decently happy about. Um, yeah, yep. uh, Storm the Camp uh, is is definitely in the Easterlings' favor, I'd say, because they can sit back and shoot at me, and I have to go to them, and I can't engage them on my terms. Um, they can get in with their pikes and really just defend a spot. Um and then uh, Divide and Conquer uh, is is an interesting one, but due to their increased maneuverability, uh, I was concerned that they were going to go and piecemeal uh, my army. So Reconnoiter, I liked. Um, I'm still not a huge fan of the matchup, especially if the Easterlings player uh, utilizes the drum um, in its most effective form, uh, using it to feint, just pushing forward and threatening me early on and getting around 
and uh, getting into my my flankers and trying to to stop them whilst also threatening uh, the back of the board. Um, unfortunately, and uh, Alex, lovely guy, by the way, um, I think this is really um, what ended up losing him this game was the the initial way he moved his models uh, made it so it was it gave me a huge advantage early on, which I was able to capitalize where um, basically what ended up happening is he just went all in on one side of the board, sort mm-hmm. of leaving most of the other side of the board open minus one acolyte, which I could very easily get around. So I went, okay, um, I'm fine with this. I sent all three of my wargs over on the other side of the boards. They board, they were going to be my force that ran off the board. And then, the rest of my army I could play very reactive with and just use to defend the board edge, and I should be able to win from there. Um, he also made a bit of a mis- misplay. Um, he tried to get Huge his knight. Misplay. Yeah, he, <laughs> I was he watching tried that to. Game. <laughs> he, he tried to get his his uh, knight with drum because he I think he only had one cab model, which was his his uh, knight with drum, and he he made the mistake of trying to move that model to try and get it off the board, um, which was a mistake for two reasons. Mm -hmm. One, it meant that he didn't have his drum with the rest of his army, um, which is very, very bad because it drastically reduces the maneuverability and the effectiveness of the Easterling force. And uh, two, because even if he was able to get it off the board, which he wasn't, I was able to jump in on it and just kill it with random guys. um, It wouldn't have done anything um, because with my three guys, I would have still tripled him anyways, um, and I would have still gotten the seven points. Um, so that was a bit of a misplay as well. But with that drum dead and my three guys off the board, it left him in a very static, immobile state where I was able to basically fight on my terms um get a lot of my guys in on his guys in favorable ways. I was getting some like I was getting some guys around into pikes, peeling them off and then getting the shield guys in front. Um, and when you have hunter orcs supported by Gundabad orcs, if you don't have a decent number of attacks against them, they will win the fight and they will kill you. So I was just grinding through guys. Um, Azog, uh, I don't think he ever really got near the emperor except in the last turn because the emperor was sort of out of position off on one side and Azog was just chewing through guys um, and threatening Rutabi and Rutabi was just basically trying to run away from him. Um, but once combat hit and, and he, he was talking about after the game, how his rolling wasn't very good. And I'm, I'm inclined to agree with him. His rolling was not the best. I did kill I'd say a disproportionate number of models in combat. Um, but I think even if the the rolling had been more his way, it was just such such a tough fight for him after I got those models off the board and after he lost the drum. Um, I had a chance to, to get in on the Emperor um, in the final turn. I threw a ton of guys in on him. Uh, swamped him trying to get some VPs didn't throw Azog in because uh, he had called a strike so I didn't want to lose and give him leader wounds um but uh I I um he he rolled a five so I was like "Ooh, this is great I had like 10 attacks only rolled a five highest so I didn't get any wounds on the Emperor but I broke him and I got the triple so it ended up being a a 10-0 to me in that one 
See, I saw that game and actually talked with the player afterward. And I and I I remember he said the whole rolling thing, but I had watched that game. He lost before any dice were rolled. And his sacrifice mm-hmm. of of the drum and leaving an entire flank open was so puzzling, which I can only attribute to he had maybe was not very well practiced with the Easterlings. What table was this? Was this the Oskiliath table or the troll table? Neither, I don't think. This oh. was the trolls. It was, oh, the trolls. Trolls. It was table one. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah and by the way, ta- table one is the troll table. It's got three trolls in the middle. It's got some houses around. It's got a lot of very small woods on it. Uh, and table two is an Osgiliath board, yeah. which has a lot of buildings on it that are ruins that you can run in and sort of use as uh, a basically impassable terrain um, to just sort of wall off shots and stuff mm-hmm. like that. The reason I mention this is because a lot of Kylie and Mai's games were on these boards, so it's it's good to know these boards uh, for future reference. Um, but yeah, I think, and this is not a knock to the previous Easterling players I played, but I think what makes a pretty good Easterling player and turns them into a great slash incredible Easterling player is how they use the drum. Um, because I can... I can tell the difference between playing a lot of the Easterling players I played at Articon and Nova compared to specifically playing against Dad and Kylie um, was how they use the drum. Um, You guys use it to feint, you use it to move around, you use it to outmaneuver your opponents, basically. And a lot of the the other Easterling players I played against um, did not utilize it in that manner. They used... Like it basically just as an engagement tool. Yeah. It was basically mm-hmm. just run up to my opponent and fight. And mm-hmm. as someone who has played the Easterlings a couple times and played against them a ton of times, where the Easterlings shine is when you can get that favorable engagement where you can get onto a portion of the opponent's army and then just walk right through it because of how many attacks you have yeah. um, and your it's... higher fight value. And using that made. is... Just the one time. Yeah, really, really how you how you close out games with them. Have you like practiced against Matt's Easterlings a lot? Um, I've I've played them a decent amount. <laughs> okay. okay, I'm just curious. Yes. Okay, I mean, yeah, we we we've played. I mean, in the local tournaments we play in, we typically have like an Iverson off around round three, and I've been playing a lot of Easterlings lately. So yeah, um. He's, yeah, because you guys played it unexpected this past right. we did. January. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So. Well, then um, I guess jumping into Kylie or game three, what was the point? Game three. I'm just quickly flipping to my notes and uh, just realized I've got my opponent sitting right in front of me. <laughs> um, so round three, uh, we're on the Escalier table, and I was, of course, playing uh, Matt uh, and his Goblin Town Horde. Now, when I heard I was playing Goblin Town, I'm like, Oh yeah, it's probably going to be like a sixty model army with some sort of ring rave shenanigan allied in. And I was like, nope, I'm playing against an eighty two model army. Uh, and I just, my face just went, I'm sorry, how many? Eighty two. <laughs> oh, in in Maelstrom, 
Oh, that's going to be a in problem. the maelstrom scenario, yeah, and which it, will it, require you to be on things, right? And and in maelstrom, so I think I had to I had to veto first. And of course, I vetoed yeah. heirlooms because there's no way I'm going to play heirlooms against somebody with a drum. Yeah, and then Kylie proceeds to hand me the game. How how did you hand me the game? Well, let me run you through my thought process because, <laughs> admittedly, I I hadn't quite clicked. I, I thought that command the battlefield was break and roll not 25 percent, and I, I didn't twinge till afterwards that that was the case um but command uh I, I went i opted into command the battlefield instead of uh taken hold which is run to the middle because i figured i've got an easterling dragon emperor with a a, a, a battlefield wide stand fast i can as long as i can break uh, uh, the goblin town. I should be able to cover all the corners and stuff, and and be able to like fight it in the late game, and just keep the game going with my with with my army bonus and stuff. Uh, and then went, oh no way, it's twenty five percent. Like halfway through the opening moves, and I'm like, mm, okay, I made a made a mistake here. Probably should have ran to the middle. Well, um, well not not only that, but with yeah. so we're playing on the Asgiliath board, and the Asgiliath board has you know a whole bunch of buildings and stuff like that, and it creates a very restricted center of the board, um, yeah. where I was terrified you were just going to take hold ground, you were going to drum yourself to the middle of the board, you were going oh, to Lord. put phalangites in all of those gaps, and by the time my goblins want waddled up, they would be facing this this solid wall of leveled pikes and I was never going to be able to break through it. But, yeah. but Kylie, the sportsman that she is said, no, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to make a game out of this and we're going to play command well, the battlefield. I, I <laughs> did get a game out of it. I will say we that. Did. You um, did indeed. I, I, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because um, when we, when we often scan around the battlefield, now I have played this as a practice game a lot, both with my Easterlings and with my Assault and Loft Warrior. So, and every time I played this game in practice, I have always gone first. I've always won that first turn priority. And there was a moment where we rolled priority and I hit the one and then you got it. And I'm like, I don't know what to do now. All my fans <laughs> were, were, were for me to go first. Yeah. Because so, I, I just, my, some part of my brain just went, we go first. We always go first. Because yeah, that's so begins the long process of me handing, so Command the Battlefield is the one where you have the four sections. And I'm like, I got 82 goblins. I got the goblin scribe. I can just keep an endless number of people coming on whichever side of me. I got this in the bag. And then comes the long process of me starting to hand this game back to Kylie. <laughs> and yeah, the, the step number one in this process is um, I I roll, so I'm coming on first. But I'm like, I still have this. I've still got 82 goblins. So I, I, I of course, will roll the scribe first because there's nothing the scribe can do. The rest of the army has to, like, hinge on coming in around yeah. the scribe. So I rolled the two of the scribe. I think Kylie put me on coming in in the middle of one of the sides, um, probably keeping me away from the corners where I can, I'm more likely to be able to surround the scribe. I feel, and I chose a part of the board where there was less terrain for you to hide behind. So it was right. like you had to get a warband on either side of the scribe to really wall him off. Yeah. And as we're uh, about to find out. Yeah. So, and then, you know, so I, I move the scribe on. Um, I get him as far away from the edge as I can and kind of spread some guys out around him. But, I, it, you know, it's not enough to protect him from the inevitable tremors that are going to be coming if Kylie gets Burger on in the right place. I roll the next warband. It's the captain. The captain can... So I bring the captain into the left and I basically kind of seal off the whole left of um, the scribe. Yeah. And I got two more warbands left and I roll Grinna. Grinna rolls a two. 
Um, and I think the way it was lined up, if I'd spent the two might, I couldn't have come on. Um, I, I would have had to have come on on the side and that wouldn't have helped me. Yeah. Um, so granted might's down one. Um, and then I have the goblin King next. And of course the goblin King rolls the one. So I have one, fl- I have one flank open now where Broger can run up and we hand it over to Kylie at this point. And uh, yeah, it turns out when you roll a six with Brogy, you get to choose where you come on from. So Brogy just went, that's a nice juicy scribe. Wonder how I'll go with a tremor. Double sixes on the first roll. Oh, that's a <laughs> tremor. And I was just like, <laughs> okay, I guess I'll, I'll take that. Uh, Scri- scribe, of course, went, does not roll the six with his one will. <laughs> nope. And uh, I then proceeds to fail the paint as well. That sucks. So, that's like the key. So literally, to the yeah. <laughs> no resources. I just took <laughs> off the scribe. Now I was expecting after I saw uh, Matt's roll, uh, maybe it'll take me a couple of turns. You know, first turn the fate will get passed or resisted or something like that, and then the second turn I'll have to use my might and force through the force through the tremor to get the wound. And nope, nope. Turns out I I was I'll, actually I'll fairly sure sh- that yeah I was actually sure that, fairly sure the way things deployed that if you had not killed the scribe on the first turn, the scribe would have been safe. Because he could have diddy bopped yeah. away and all the other goblins. I think it might have come down over me or something like that as well. Yeah. It's just by the time um, yeah. you would have got to him, even then, mm. even three, four turns in, the scribe has already pumped goblins into every quadrant of the board. Yeah. It's just like yeah. right. oh, and by the way, to add insult <laughs> yeah. to injury so, on the, the one the one reinforcement roll I had with the, the the goblin scribe, I think I rolled like a four. So yeah. <laughs> so Goblin yeah. Scribe so, was a big, big zero for this game. Yeah, so I, I, I had a plan. I, I figured I could deal with this, the Goblin Scribe maybe bringing on two batches worth. Two, three at the absolute most. But I, th- I thought I could handle two batches of Goblins coming on in a random section. Like I have the drum, I have Cav. I can go I'll find them, isolate them, kill them, and then come back to my army with the drum. Um, so Ritabi rolled really well. She rolled a five, came on right next to Brogia, um, just anchored. So I had basically Ritabi, Brogia, and her, their little shooting, uh, kind of nook. And I rolled the one with the Emperor and I, I turned to Matt and went, excellent. Turn two. <laughs> um, and then we moved into turn two and I didn't realize it at the turn, but Matt reckons that he made, this is where he made the biggest mistake. Yeah. This is why. This is where I handed the game back uh, to Kylie. I, I, I'm still not a hundred percent convinced because I thought, particularly after how you played, um, the remaining turns, I thought you did a, a, an absolutely splendid job of keeping yourself in it. So, Grinner rolls the two again. Yeah, Grinner rolls the two, and so I have. The... Yeah, I had two options here. I, I could spend one to go down and keep Grinner off for another turn, um, and but. But at that point, kind of risk, you know, wherever, whatever I roll the next turn is what Grin is going to be stuck with, probably. Or I could spend his two remaining might and bring him on right where I wanted to, which was on the far side of the board, where I could take his 18 goblins, just kind of grab the other two sectors. And I spent the two might to bring Grin on that turn. And at, at least... Heal tool out of the game now. Yeah, um, and, and at least with with the, you know, the 2020 hindsight, I think that was, that was the mistake because I brought Grinna on Grinna and like nine goblins go one way, nine goblins go the other way to steal, to grab those other two things. And then, and uh, meanwhile, you know, the, the goblin King is kind of, 
and Gollum and the captain are all kind of squaring off against Rutabi and, and Bergier on the other side of the board. And then Kylie. <laughs> well, I I rolled, I think it was not quite, I think I rolled like a, a, a five, which wasn't going to get me five. on the same. Yeah, right. it wasn't going to get me on the same board edges. You know? And I, I think I sat there for about a good 60 seconds thinking about it. I'm like, do I just come on with Rutabi and then drum onto the corner? And then I'm like, what no no i if, if i can mop up this section of the board with the majority of my force and capitalize on on, on grinna being here wipe it out before all the five inch goblins can can get across i might be in a chance to to pull this game back and i sp- spent my point came on right next to grinner and his crew and then just proceeded to chase them um for the next you know five Drive six turns and it was around this point where I'm like, oh, I think I've got it. Like, I, I can, I can maybe isolate and stuff and and wipe out this warband. And then Matt did the one move that I don't think I, I, I wasn't expecting, which was all these goblins decided, huh, this is pretty tall <laughs> terrain. Scuttle, 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 up. and just went. <laughs> everything went up. And I, at this point, like this, this shell shocked me. Like I was speechless and going what these are vertical because i i hadn't i haven't experienced anything not on this scale not in on this kind of terrain like this was not on my remotely on my radar this was this was getting hit hit from behind kind of kind of deal and like i went up to it, devon it, and it, tried to like get a ruling on it and then was like no this <laughs> no, terrain was designed to be climbed it, like, it actually yeah. really was george nicotitis well, made the terrain and yeah. decided to be climbable and look, I, got, I got goblins if they can't if they can't climb this stuff who can and well and you had no shooting on this side of the board either well, so no we ended, no, up in the, we ended up in this really weird situation where there's like a dragon emperor a drake and a bunch of pikemen like sitting down on the board you know in the board looking upwards going look at those guys up there what do we do about them i don't know why don't you try climbing up there like one guy climbs up one guy climbs up and then i realized as i'm climbing up i can't pike support going up right because i'm not in base to base and i think the one guy climbed up lost his fight lost his combat and then i'm like i'll just fight you next time and then he's like no it's defended because i'm higher than you i'm like oh shit it is too you back away take your footing check rolls the one i'm like Oh no! I'm about to take a whole bunch of fall damage. He falls down and dies, and then all the other Easterlings have just seen this happen. They're like, "Not it, not it." And <laughs> nobody, nobody at that point was like, "We're not climbing." Okay, we, we have to find another way to win this game. So I'm like scratching my brain because like I'm, I, I knew I needed to break the goblins. Uh, that was like my primary win condition. I needed to break them. Hope the courage test went in sort of in my favor and be able to like contest the game from there. So I'm thinking, what what do I have on the table that can hit things up high? And I'm like, well, Brogy's got Tremor. I have three archers. Again, this is another game where I wish I had another couple of archers. Would have been so 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 helpful in this in this situation. And I had Acolyte. So everything in my force was was about keeping these models alive for as long as possible because they were my only way of touching and hitting these guys climbing up on up on these um annoying ruins per se and. Uh, the mercenaries did the same thing. They deep strike up high in a really awkward terrain feature that was super difficult to get up in. And it was just like, it was, it was this slow grinding process of like me drumming, trying to catch up, getting models in the right spots. And after a while I worked out, even if I 25% Matt, he's going to have 20 models on the table minimum. 
probably more when the game does finally end because we were getting we were getting pretty close to the clock. And I went, no, nah, I just I just I just got to sack the banner, dismounted the emperor to pick up an extra six guys from the palaquin, and just tried to head to my bets. I figured if I can hold two object like two quarters, just hold two quarters, I win the game through break uh break without being broken. So that was my goal, uh, was just to hold two quarters. And it was a slug to try and get things in the right position to hold these quarters. Because at the same time, I had to make sure that Matt didn't double any of the quarters as well. So it was this really cautious, like, ebb and flow on the line, kind of like figuring out how many to send into a quarter and how many not to send. Because particularly with how entrenched Matt was on the two quarters that he had, there was no way to play that like game where you have guys sitting just near the line so they can change which quarter they are in. Which, every which turn. by the way, was the mistake I was the second mistake I made was in in the Goblin Kings yeah. area. I had sent a bunch of guys over and climbed them up on on buildings just so that you couldn't get at them. And what I should have done is just kept them just near the Goblin King, yeah, so that they were within his standfast range. Because I had, and I think that actually flipped the game because I think I, I, there was like. The one, the one turn, there's one turn when I broke, when I lost like six of those guys up there. Yeah. Um, just through um, failed courage tests. And I think yeah. that was what flipped that last quadrant mm. to you. Yeah. Cause it was really interesting too. Cause I was hoping that you were going to fail uh, courage tests with the models in Grin as well, Ben, that had managed to escape up the, up the ruins and stuff. And I think out of the nine models that survived, yeah. only two ran away. Yeah. So, uh, and I was like, I was banking on because I had, I had a good portion. I, I think I had like 12, 12 or ten models in that quarter. I just needed you to get down to five. I think, I think it was at the end of the game, and that was just pass, 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 and you yeah. ended up six in that quarter at the end. So I couldn't double it. So it was. This I think quarter. we actually, I think we actually tied in that quarter. There was one quarter where we ended up equal, and I think it was that one um, where mm. Grinnell's Warband was, and um, and then I think. Uh, you doubled me in that quarter right. where you doubled me in the quarter where my mercenary warband was because you eventually yeah. were able to kind of climb up and get into my mercenary warband. Yeah, the um, topic did work there. She she managed to get up and get some yeah, kills, and I, I think I, I had just enough models in range with the remnants of Rutabi's warband and the the guys that come over from the Emperor. Where I basically, we, we, I basically because you had the initiative first because you had to pull the right move to get the stand fast. I basically asked right. how many's in this quarter, and you said four and i was like right this model this model this model and this model get eight in that quarter got the double yep. and then with the break without yeah. being broken at the end was able to get yeah you, you doubled me there i think you exceeded me in that one side where i had all the goblins run away um and then i doubled you in the side with the goblin yeah. king yeah so and, and then you broke me so i think we ended up with i think it was a four two to you in the end yeah it was just a four two to me but as you said if the, if the goblin king had have stuck around and kept that contingent up on the on 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 the on that quarter where they all ran away. I think it I, I think you would have I don't think you would have maybe got the win. I think I could have finagled it to the point where I could have uh at least contested enough that I could have won the game still with like a three two. But it would have meant that again, once again, by the skin of my teeth, I managed to walk away with a major victory when I probably shouldn't have got a major victory. Yeah. I, like, I think I think we were, I think if I had managed to flip that one side where all my goblins ran away, if I had, if I kept them within range of the yeah. goblin king, I think it ended, I think it would have been like a three, three draw at that point. Cause I think mm. I would have had three points for sectors. You would have had two points for sectors and one point for break. Yes. Yeah. But I didn't. So I didn't. So, oh well. <laughs> well. I mean, you know, from a TO's perspective, 
I actually did not know why Matt was climbing terrain, and I didn't know what scenario you were playing. Like, I because I, I had because yeah. I had, had command the battlefield, you would never have let that happen. Like, it's yeah. the closest thing to an auto win for Goblin Town as possible. And so I just in my head, uh, I saw Matt climbing terrain, and then like, yeah, no, I mean, it is yep. designed to be that way. But like now looking back, I'm like. That was pretty disgusting. <laughs> yeah, she had, she, had, had, like, she like, had 18 figures and a dragon emperor facing off against a mightless Grinna in 18 figures. And the only <laughs> oh way God. I was going to survive that was uh, was to climb. <laughs> Again, yeah. this this is why you keep honesty bows in your army. Like honesty. I I was I I really needed a couple more bows in this. I think if I had a couple more bows, I could have done a lot better. Like I had a much better chance at like knocking these bloody goblins off the off their perches because like it's very rare i play a game where someone knows understands and is and most importantly is able to implement the rules of the game better than i can and i'll tell you what that you just can well, i you was can, i was you ran rings of, around me in terms i was of putting rules out of my butt in that game i pulled the stairs rules on you Yes, which nobody plays. Yeah, he pulled the stairs on me, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that thing exists. Oh, wait, I got unmuted in combat stats. It's fine. I actually killed like, a guy with the stairs rule. There was somebody was, who lost, there's a pikeman who lost a fight, tripped combat, and fell yeah. backwards, and then died. He and then he won the combat next turn and yeah. killed him while he was on his ass. Yeah. <laughs> yep. it was the two, it was, I lost two models this game the guy that fell on the stairs, and yep. the guy that fell off the, tra- tracing the goblin up the tower. That's so like, great. I've never even seen the stairs rule come into play. <laughs> it was it was a really fatty game. I I I really enjoyed it though because I think it was a very humbling experience too. Of like at the end of the game with all the dust settling, I kind of like looked at myself and went, "Yeah, I really I really got away with this." Like I I converted the win, but you got a major I, win. You got you got exactly I got a major what you win, needed for like, a major win. This out of all the games I played. Out of all, like every game I played, I, this was the one win I was like, I didn't feel like I deserved this one. Like this one felt like, you know, I had to, I, I yeah, I, I just skimmed well, away with, with, with. Well, be with. careful what you say because two of the other people you played against are also on this podcast. Oh, right he, now. she so. deserved the win against them. That it yeah, was hot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was handed to them. So I guess, um, Evan, in your third game, who'd you play against? So yeah, I, I, uh, I, I've got good news for our for our faithful listeners. Congratulations to me! I did not play a Dragon Emperor Legendary Legion this round. I was so happy. I was like, oh my god, there are other armies in this game. I can play so many things. I might play against elves. Ooh, I heard Gondor is a thing that people play sometimes. Like I was just so excited, and it was a mirror match. Which I guess was kind of <laughs> what I wanted, but I also know. not. Because it's Your just matches. the same oh. list I was playing. Um, so the variety definitely wasn't there. Um, but at least it wasn't Easterlings, so I was going to take that as a win. Um, but going into this game, I was quite concerned. Um, because the the mirror match with Pits of Dogledore due to the fact that all of my models have extremely high killing power and are very easy to kill, including my hero in Azog, is a very, very volatile game. Um, It can oftentimes go down to dice rolls, which is not something um, I was particularly keen on. So 
And of course, uh, as it was Maelstrom, we played Command the Battlefield as well, just like uh, Kylie and Dad. Um, and of course, I won the roll-off. So I was terrified. I was like, okay, what's he going to do? Is he going to pop up next to me, get his Azog on guys, start killing guys, and then start winning that way? I can't do the thing where I spread out and grab the different corners of the battlefield because the courage on my guys, I didn't have a Warhorn, by the way, um, the courage on my guys just isn't good enough to be able to to sustain that sort of engagement. Um, so I needed to figure out a way to break this guy without being broken. And because of how volatile this list is, I didn't think there was a way. Thankfully, though, um, he deployed his army up top. I was off towards the side of one board edge, and he was up on the top. So we were on completely different um, board sides, uh, and he was sort of up there. He sent some guys over his way around that way to the side, and I sent some guys to the side as well. Actually, I think they were roughly the equivalent, roughly equivalent war bands. We had exactly the same models uh, that we sent off, including one captain each. Um, and then the rest of our guys, he had he had bows I didn't, so he sat back and sort of shot at me, and I just committed my troops up, tried to get them around and get them into his army, sort of going, okay, I have one board half down here that he isn't contesting. I have one board quarter over here that I'll probably be able to take. He has one board quarter over there that he can take, and then if I work and try and contest that top board quarter, hopefully I'll be able to win that way. Um, but he made an unfortunate error, um, right before combat hit. There were these two woods, um, these two small woods that sort of walled off a section of his army where his entire army was bottled up behind them. And then there was this little gap that I could sneak my army through, um, to get in on his army. And he did not leave a gap for Azog to get through. Oh, so you can't I, make on mistakes. that turn, I, I got in charge range and I was able to call a heroic move. And at my Azog went into combat, his Azog did not. And immediately I was like, okay, this, this made things a lot easier. Um, so I got that turn off. I got an advantage on kills early on. I think I got six or seven. He like maybe one or two and because i had outnumbered him because he had a warhorn i didn't um i was feeling all right um i was feeling pretty good so next turn came around i had been pretty tricky and i had maneuvered it so that if i win the heroic move off next turn azog still will not be able to get in combat and thank god i won the move off next turn so yet again, his Azog had no opportunities to get into combat, and I was able to get in, call a heroic combat with Azog, and kill more guys. And I was very slowly building up this massive, uncontestable kill tally compared to him. I think at that point I had killed like 10 or 12. He had killed like maybe four or five. It's like a third of his army already. Mm. Yeah, I Azog was Azog was actually not rolling too well, my Azog, but thankfully he had the might points to be able to spend the might, win the fight, and then just chop through guys. And then <laughs> oh, poor guy, because the next turn after that, I had still finagled it, so Azog still couldn't fit through. What about the ambush roll? Won- 
Didn't he want to use it to get hidden itself we, out? We, of we both we both burned it, so he wasn't oh, you able burned to it. get out. Oh, okay, guys, canceled each other out. Yeah. yeah, um, and I was able to win the heroic move off again that turn. Oh, uh, now you're just turn in a row. His Azog just could just not make him get feel the pain of this mistake. He eventually just went, okay, I need to do something. So he dismounted it at his Azog and ran him into a woods to try and get on my guys. And at that point, I'm like, okay, I've already burnt three turns off this Azog and now he's dismounted. I was over the moon about that. Um, and that at that dismount point, should have happened turns ago. First turn. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah that's based on that situation. Yeah, I think he was, was hoping to win pretty a much cleanup. A 50-50 yeah. to win a roll off. It's nah. not terrible. <laughs> but I, that's assumption. I mean, yeah, I mean, whenever that, whenever someone like from personal experience putting the game on a roll off is a terrible yeah. idea. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, dismounting your Azog and running him into the woods is a terrible idea in general too. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And it, that's your best option. Yeah. <laughs> you, you set up you've wrong. Got a problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. Something this, has gone horribly Unfortunately, I, I finagled it that the only way he could get in is sending him into those woods, which would drastically reduce his effective threat range. Um, and when he finally did that, it was just too late. Um, I had already sort of mopped up his army. He was broken. I got uh, my Azog around, uh, heroic combated into the, uh, the, the white warg, killed that. Um, and then I just sort of surrounded Azog with like six guys every turn and then just walked off with the rest of my army and just sat there and waited I actually managed to get a leader wound on Azog um, that way. Um, but yeah, at that point, he was broken. I wasn't. A lot of his guys ran away. Though importantly, his captain did not run away. So he was able to keep his guys around to sort of uh, help with his uh, VPs a little bit. But um, I had so many board halves. I had, I think it was three board halves doubled. I had the break. And... Um, I had a wound on the leader as well. Uh, and he actually got a wound on my leader. Um, I uh, think he, he either got a shot off on Azog or something or a random wound. And I just like, my brain went completely blank and I let it go through despite there being leader wounds, uh, points for leader <laughs> wounds in this scenario. So uh, uh, thankfully it didn't really matter because uh, VP difference isn't overly important um, in this tournament. But I was... Still a little confused with myself afterwards, just like why did I let that wound through? Um, I'm still I'm still amazed at your ability to get three board halves. Board quarters, thank you, Dad. <laughs> you happy now? Evan um, defies the now. laws of yes. <laughs> yeah, I actually, we're playing we're playing actually, in four dimensions. That's Ky- <laughs> Ky- Kylie and Dad, we're SBG. You. <laughs> Kylie and Dad were doing so terribly on their board that I just put some of my guys on their board half as well. Just contributed to another game. (laughs) Like, dude, here. (laughs) Fuck you guys. You don't get your points. I'm putting my guys there. Hey, this is a family show. There are kids that are listening to this. Like you. Exactly. Uh, sorry, I, I guess <laughs> Devin will beep that. Devin will bleep that out in the uh, in the editing, right? Devin, we'll get it no, he won't. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll write that down someday. Uh, to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I uh, all right. Well, then I guess just to, just for the sake of time, I suppose we'll jump into Kylie's uh, fourth round. Well, it's not just my fourth round. 
also Evan's fourth round as well, because we squared off in round number four. And this game, I think if, if there is a game to better epitomize like what it's like to play Lord of the Rings chess, this would be it. Uh, this was just moves and counter moves the entire time. Uh, to put it into perspective, we played 32 turns. Wow. It's a lot of turns we played. Uh, again, once again, this was a game where I wish I had an extra couple of arches. Because, uh, uh, um, yeah, it, it was it was quite interesting. So we were playing the, uh, the unique scenarios, also known as the kill hero scenarios. Um, with Ilmet by Moonlight, uh, Assassination, and Fog of War. Um, we basically hand shook into uh, Fog of War um, with our matchup. And I'm sorry, Evan, once again, you have to play a Dragon Emperor uh, for the <laughs> third time this tournament. At that point, I was just like, oh, whatever. I'll just I'll just go with it. To be I, fair, you I, kind of knew I, this I, one was coming. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I was resigned to the fact that I was just going to play the same army over and over and over again this tournament. Yeah. It was all um, just blurring into one at that point. Yeah, it's it, as far as I can tell, like playing the game now, I think just every list I see, there's just like my vision gets a little blurry and I just see an overlay of just like a dragon emperor just appearing. It's just like a horrible hallucination. Evan's like, there's an alliance <laughs> matrix in this game? Is that, is that necessary? <laughs> Oh, I thought it was. I all haven't dragon heard of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. I thought those were the only two choices. There's more than two choices. The Dragon um, Emperor yeah, our... battle game. <laughs> um, our game was uh really really interesting. So we had the fog of war, and there was a, a really key moment on turn two. We were playing on the troll shores board. This was basically one versus two. Um, so, and uh, the trolls... would, I'm going to point out a very important uh, thing first off, which is that it was sort of in contention throughout the tournament uh, whether or not the trolls in the middle were difficult terrain or not. Some games I played on table one, they weren't. Some games they were. In this game, um, we we declare that they were. And this is going to be very, very important uh, for our game. Yes. Um, we leave all the made... terrain up to the players. So it, yeah. if it's in contention, that's intentional. Yeah, it, it made the it made the game much more compartmentalized and much more closed off than it would have if the trolls had not been difficult terrain. Um, so we both sort of anchored. Did you our mutually agree armies. on that, or did you roll it? Uh, we just agreed on it. Okay, um, I, I think we just kind of said, "Oh, I think it's difficult," and then I was like, "Ah, whatever, sure." Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I didn't really care, um, but it it. It was set up in a way that we anchored both of our armies sort of on either side of those um of the of the trolls. Uh and then we had a very crucial priority roll off. I think it was turn two. Turn two. Um and this was this and... was one of the ones where we both wanted to lose it. Um yeah. because it would mean onus would go to the other player, which means they would have to make a proactive move, move forward, which means the other person could react. And since we both had marches called, I had the drum, Evan had a march from a captain, we were both in prime position to like really pounce on each other. I got lucky. I, I lost that role. So Evan had to kind of commit and he committed diagonally towards one corner. Uh, but it did leave a few of his uh, orcs kind of not left out of the open, but not within the support range of the rest of his army. So I basically saw these six orcs over on one side and went, I want them. And the Emperor and everyone just 
made a beeline to the left-hand side of the battlefield, right-hand uh, right side for Evan. And I went, proceeded to spend the next, I think, like five, six turns ch chasing down these, like, you know, half a dozen um, Gundabad Orcs trying to get a lead because that's what I really, really needed considering I was a 30 model army against a 38 model army. I really need to even up that kill count because if I can get that kill count a little bit more even when I do finally take a fight, it'll be much more into my advantage where I can actually play it out. Yeah, that that sort that set of that set of movements um was in my opinion the the best case scenario um that happened after I won that move off because I I specifically did that. Um so just to add add other context, Kylie's objective, neither of us know each other's objectives, by the way. Kylie's objective was in the back right-hand corner of my part of the board, um, which was the direction that she moved her entire army in, where I had left very little of my army, like what she said, either, I think it was six to eight guys over there. Yeah, it was like six sort of acting as speed bumps. Yeah. My objective was way in the back left corner, where he she had um, basically entrenched a wardrake and an acolyte inside this uh, this house, Though thankfully I didn't pick the house as an objective. Um, I had picked a woods a little off farther that way. Right. Within um, three inches of it, there was just still wood. So our, our essentially our terrain pieces were diagonally opposite each other in, in, in two separate corners, which meant, I mean, it, it was the reason why our game was so movement intensive. Like to put it in perspective, I drummed every single turn. I think in this game, and Evan used all four of his captains' might to core marches, because that's how much we just need to shift into position, shift out of position, shift into position, trying to chase each other and like constantly, you know, moving our our pieces around as if we're calling check on each other's king every every second turn, third turn. Yeah, and so when you move that direction, um, basically that that was sort of basically what I wanted at that point because I had won that priority roll off. I, at this point was, I had sort of consigned myself to the fact that I was probably going to draw it is probably the best outcome for me. Um, because, because of your drum, I can't contest both sides. Um, and I can't move my entire army together and not get, sort of piecemeal because of your higher maneuverability. Mm. And you also had the ability to get Brogear around and just start throwing out uh, Blade Wrath, not Blade Wrath, throwing out Tremors. Um, you could push your uh, Acolytes into the middle and the Trolls, and I can't really get at you there. Um, and you can just throw weapons out of, which you did. Um, but uh, being able to pull your army to this corner of the board, which your objective was there, meant that I, you basically gave me the left side of the board um, and I pushed mm. the remainder of my army up that way and basically walled off that objective that I had, uh, that I was going for. And then I used my uh, remaining orc warriors uh, who had just like, you know, were getting run down by these Easterlings and I used them as speed bumps, uh, you know, throwing them into the emperor, throwing them into Rutabi, just trying to slow them down as yeah. much as humanly possible. 
um, and just burn through turns because that was how I was going to get the draw. Um, and you, you killed those guys. Uh, you got through them easily, uh, like, decently like, quickly. Yeah, I, I, I burned I think, a couple uh, turns, but yeah, I think you you actually there was a moment in the game where I think uh, towards the end where you, you summed it up the best. The first hour I was in control of the game, and I felt the the first hour I think I played like that was some of the best Lord of the Rings I I played in that first hour. But the problem was going into the second hour, I didn't exploit the lead I got because I, I think I had Evan. I had like. 14 or something 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 ridiculous like i, I had a, I, think, a really... I think in the first hour you Maybe killed was... 10 models yeah and in the second hour you killed two yeah um once, that sounds about once right. you sort of isolated those guys and killed them because my army was so consolidated and because i had azog near i was losing a lot of priority roll-offs and you didn't want to commit too aggressively because you were concerned about Azog going in and killing stuff, which we yeah. both agreed on after the game, you should not have been. Yeah. Or at least so, you shouldn't have been as concerned as you were. Yeah. So, because uh, uh, we, we, we talked at length about this game at the, at the end, and the general consensus from both of us was I, I had a lead and wasn't willing enough to, um, like, I wasn't willing to be aggressive enough to force the issue. Because at that, that point, I had had the advantage if i had it broken without being broken the game was mine essentially but because i was i was so gun shy going into the combat and so worried about you know as well going in for combating and then either duking out to the side and getting getting in a position where he could take take away the points that i had for the uh, objective or or him pro combating and getting into bro gear, which was the hero I was trying to protect, which as it turns out was also the hero that Evan was trying to kill. I, I was so worried about this him finding a sneaky angle because I've, I've been watching your games. I, I'd seen you find these sneaky angles and sneaky engage lines that I hadn't at this point. Uh, like I, I was worried that I was going to like miss and stuff. And it, it took me too long to realize that the emperor at this point was expendable. Like it, it didn't matter what happened to him. His his point he had no points in the game. So what I and Evan said this was I, I should have just thrown the Emperor forward as bait, gone, come charge me as and used him as this big shepherding tool. Just keep pushing him forward, keep pushing him forward, keep pushing him forward, just to keep gaining ground and then hide the army behind him so that if Azog does, you know, bite the bullet and run in, well then I can just swing either defense up, survive the turn, and then um you know, fight it out next turn or have a chance at actually finally starting the fight uh, where I was because, and it's so weird because I've been talking to players throughout the whole tournament of taking like there, there is an art form of taking a hit to give a bigger hit in, in, in the, in the preceding turns. And I don't know, I was going to, something in my brain was just like, I've been watching Evan this whole tournament and he's been consistently surprising me with some of the moves he's done. I don't want to give him that option of, of being proactive when I should have realized that I was in the prime position to be proactive myself to go forward, and I had tools in in my army and the terrain. Like that, that that troll shores in the center of the board would have been perfect for you know Brogy to just run into and just go. I'm just going to sit here, and you know, just have a, a ring of acolytes and Rutabi around him, and, and and not being afraid of Azog whilst the Emperor, you know, tips of the spear runs into the the orcs and, and starts to get the fight started yeah so the i mean for for those who haven't played this match i played this matchup many times 
the Emperor is one of the few models in the game that can go head to head with Azog and kind of reliably win. And it's just because of that, um, you know, it, it's it's that it's that ability to like, I'm going to call the fence. I'll take the punch. Eventually, Azog will. Uh, eventually, Azog will flub it. And when Azog flubs it, um, then uh, then you kill him. Yeah. Wouldn't you be worried about Azog just ripping the palaquin apart? No, I mean the, it, Azog will do because remember Azog's not knocking it over. So mm-hmm. you know Azog's Azog's doing a couple wounds to the palaquin, maybe. Yeah, because he's winning on fives. Yep. It's not like he has a turn of weapon or anything like that, or, or the ability to piss. So yep. just four dice winning on fives, like you, you take a couple of wins on the palaquin every day of the week, and yeah, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm it, it's one of the interesting things because at the very end of the game, I finally got Evan into a position where I wanted, where I kind of hadn't corralled in the corner, and then it was kind of the realization when I looked up the clock and went, "We have played 32 turns, and I've only just gotten to this point here." Well done, Evan. You you successfully, like, you know, stalled me out and and ground me down to a point where I couldn't couldn't convert the win at the very end too. So, yeah, I should have I shouldn't have, yeah I I keep thinking about it like I've I've got so many notes in this game written down in my little book about you know being proactive and recognizing win conditions and I don't know something something was maybe I I gave too much respect to Evan in this game and and what the potential was and instead of you know doing what the game was intended uh, this scenario was intended which was to call the bluff of like he's not going to charge in and heroic part combat past me to get behind me because well. He needs to keep his wild alive, and he needs to have something powerful in front of his objective to stop me from sneaking a guy through. All right. Well, just for uh, perspective of time, since we have four more games to get through here, um, we will run into the fifth scenario. So that's both of you guys taking yourselves down a notch right here. Um, so for that fifth scenario, Kylie, who did you play against, and what was the scenario pool? Uh, so I was up against Steven in To the Death, and this was this was this was my game to lose because uh, obviously To the Death means banner points are a thing, breaking without being broken. And I had the Emperor on Palaquin, and my opponent was playing uh, Bard with Lake Town, allied with Thorin Oakenshield, uh, King Under the Mountain. So he didn't have a banner because he was relying on his innate banners from Bard and. Um, uh, Dubakar. So it was basically he had to come to me, even though he had the superior shooting, because there was no way in hell he was going to um, to break my force with just shooting alone. And we were on the Eastling board, so I, I basically did the... I wouldn't say scummy, but I danced around these... Would he have said scummy, drum. Kylie? Kylie, would he have said scummy? <laughs> yeah, no, he would have definitely said scummy. Yeah, no, okay. you're right. You're right. You're right. So I... I, I, I I danced around these buildings because, like, the big Easterling temples and Easterling houses and stuff. So they they provide a lot of line of sight blocking terrain, and they're yeah. also the perfect conditions for the acolytes to shine because there's this one inch like raised like stone outcrop around the, the the buildings that I could just jump the acolytes onto, skirt around, throw throwing weapons, and then jump back down into combat. And eventually, I pulled him into a choke. And if there's one thing Easterling love, it's fighting in a choke. And yeah baiting him into the choke i i went in re-engaged and had a, the most amazing first turn of combat i think i've ever had I killed five defense eight shield locked up um 
Pine Hills Wolves, and I basically he my opponent just went, "What the hell just happened?" My tanking force that was supposed to buy me time for my force, other forces to flank, just died in one shot. And then Brogy just got off this amazing, two amazing tremors and killed nine in the next turn after at a pivot with the with the with the drum. And at that point, my opponent was down. I think he wasn't broken, but he was down fifteen kills. Um, we were equal on model count. I had the superior numbers and he was completely out of position. So he just disengaged everything. And there was an option at one point in the game for him to like charge in some guys into the Emperor when I called a drum so I couldn't go anyone else into support. And then he could have maybe set up a re-engage with um, Thorin and stuff. But I, I had had a plan on dealing with that with um, Brogir and Rotabi you know, coming in next turn and, and horror combating and, and peeling off the combats. So instead of chasing the, the the slim chance of getting a win at the risk of copying a bigger loss, he decided just to take the zero two loss and 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 call it a day. So I kind of walked away pretty happy at the end of that game. You know, yes, it's only a two zero because my opponent decided to disengage at the last hour, but a major win's a major win, and tournament points are everything. So yeah, it's pretty happy about it. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear that the rune board works well for Easterlings. That's a, a yes, win in my book it, for enough. <laughs> it, it was super fun to play on. I felt like I was able to dictate pretty much every portion of the game that I needed to. Like being able to play around that line of sight and the acolytes doing their acolyte thing, being ninjas jumping up and down on stuff was just oh, it's such a fun board to play on. Acolytes be acolytes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Evan, fifth game. Who was that against? Yeah, so I played against, um, I believe it's Nick Gower, I think his name is. Um, yeah. Yeah, so he he was playing the uh, very interesting uh, Mirkwood Rangers Legendary Legion. So uh, Legolas Tariel, um, Ranger Captain, and then I think it was like 30-ish Rangers, something like that. Um, so it was a ton of shooting, which was extremely terrifying. So I sort of went in to this game with a similar mindset of Kylie, which was that I was in the Osgiliath ruins board and there was this beautiful little house that had a ton of walls that just completely, completely nullified shooting. So I was like, okay, I'm going to put my entire army in here and then I am going to win 2-0. Um, the only problem was I got bored. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we we played like I think it was one or two turns of me castling up in there, and I was I was not having fun. So I'm like, okay, I got to do something different. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna chase this guy down. Um, and so why did you have um, to chase him if you had the banner and he didn't? Uh, because I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, but like because okay, so he was he was coming toward you though, right? Because it was it sounded by the word chase. It sounds like he's running away from you, but it's like, well, but... no, no, he, oh, okay. he, he was coming towards me slowly. He Got was it. like moving three inches. He was, he was shooting at me. He basically, we, we basically sort of talked about it at the beginning of the game. I'm like, I'm going to sit in this house. And he's like, I am going to shoot you a lot, try and wheel you down. And then I'm going to go in and fight you. Um, Which if and, you're not moving, uh, he's not moving. That's a lot of turns of shooting. He'll get it. Yes, that is. Um, and I also did not wish to basically not play the game for the first hour while he shot at me. So I was like, <laughs> okay. Um, he had priority that turn. So he moved his three inches closer. And at that point, I'm like, okay, 
this is this is the opportunity. I marched out all of my guys off to one side where Tariel's warband was, Legolas and the Rangers' warband was on the other side of the board, and then I just marched, march, 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 and I just chased him down. Um, and he decided to to fight, uh, at least in some ways. He he did a little bit of skirmishing, moving his guys back, you know, sort of repositioning, but I was able to get Azog in, and because Azog can see them no matter what, uh, despite their elven cloaks, uh, due to uh, the White Works Fell site. I was he able to get him in and start munching on guys. Um, and That's I was how all wards should be. But... Yeah, he he actually got decently unlucky with shooting. I think he killed like maybe five guys before combat hit. And once I got into combat, you know, I was in the driver's seat because I would take a Hunrook, charge it into a Mercury Ranger, put a spear behind. And then I've got three guys against his two shielding dice. Um, and I usually win the fight. And if I win the fight, that guy is dead. So I just sort of walked through his army at that point, um, was able to get around, kill Legolas, break him. And uh, I was able to secure this, the 12-0, um, which not only did I actually get to play the game, it, it made a much more enjoyable game for me, at least. Um, than just castling in the back and winning two zero. Mm. So I, I saw uh, part of your game nice. too, and I was I was there was a couple of really nice moves where you, you set up a heroic combat with Azog to charge Tariel off a dismount. That's what we like to back in Australia call the Kylie specials. And when I saw that, I gave you like a little little golf clap. That was a really really like really special move to be able to like set it up to look like I can't get in, and then. Oh, I can dismount and then just run in and just assassinate Tariel. And once I saw that move, I was like, "Yeah, Evan's got this game, hands down." It was just, it was just a gorgeous move. There you go. All right. So then, final game. All right. So going back to Kylie here and Alex's mm. first chance to talk. Let's go with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> round six. What's the the, the final scenarios are the objects ones. So we have seize surprise, retrieval, and uh, destroy the supplies. Um, I immediately knew once this pool came up and I was playing against a, what is it, 56 model Lake Town Horde. I was like, yeah, I'm not playing retrieval. No, that 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 that, that nonsense can get out of here. I, I ain't running across, you know, nearly two foot of no man's land being shot out by an entrenched Lake Town force. So that can go, go away. And Alishia was like, I am not playing the drum in Seize the Prize. So we ended up playing um, Destroy the Supplies, uh, which was interesting because it gave me the advantage in that I had the banner at the start of the game, but uh, Alishia did not. But I kind of was running the math through my head and I'm like, all it takes is Bard getting one heroic combat off and slipping past my lines, and then I'm in so much trouble because he can he can easily blow up an objective by himself. And even with the drum, I might not be able to get there in time because we're playing on the Asgiliath board, which is like really dense with these like streets and alleyways and stuff. So I had to be I had to really think about how I wanted to approach this game. So I can't speak for Alice here, but how were you feeling at the start of this game with with this particular matchup? What was your plan going? So, I'll be honest, I really completely forgot that banner points were part of Destroy the Supplies, and I think, like, I realized that right after we did it, and given, I think, the density of the board, I kind of was like, shoot, because I didn't, I, like, I think where it came down to getting objectives, 
I wasn't worried about that necessarily, but I was worried about like, I have to get two objectives just to beat the fact that you have a banner. And that definitely kind of, that was an immediate concern because even if I get all three objectives, that's six victory points. You have mm. two victory points. It's unlikely that I'm going to get all three. You have a defensive army. Um, and then beyond that, I don't know, like 56 models is a lot, but I play between Articon, me having 48 and Nova, me having 56. I broke what that's 12 games. I broke eight of those 12 games between Articon. Oh, wow. So I don't know what, like in theory, the army should not break that quickly. But for me, like I assume the army's going to break before I start the game just because for whatever reason, they die very quickly. So I in my mind, after I realized the victory points, I'm like, I have to, like, chances are you're going to break me. You have a defensive army. This is a very terrain-dense board. It's going to be more challenging for me to get the surrounds that I need to really be able to capitalize on mm. my numbers. I think you'll probably get the break. I'd have to get all three of the objectives and then prevent you from getting any of the three. Did so I say what like, your army was? I don't know if the, I didn't like the specify. Listeners. I think we've said I, I played Army of Lake Town, but with Bilbo instead of just pure. If you play six fifty, all you get extra for Army of Lake Town's a captain, so Bilbo just makes more sense. Take Bilbo, drop down two models overall. Um, so that from that perspective, it was definitely an interesting. I didn't necessarily want to play seize the prize, but I almost wonder if seize the prize would have been better in hindsight only because you have three cataphracts. They're very fast. I do have up to 20 shots in this list. Like you're going to march the cataphracts up. I'm going to move. I'm going to heroic march, obviously move up nine. And then hopefully with 20 bows, one of them being bards rapid fire should probably get some cataphracts. I don't know, but it definitely. I, I it was an interesting matchup for sure. And it was actually the first, like Evan, you're talking about all these times you play Easterlings. I've never played Easterlings at a tournament. So I was actually kind of concerned. Like what, like I play a lot of games. Like oh, I wow. travel to a lot of events in the U S have never played Easterlings before the tournament. So I wasn't sure quite what to expect, to be honest. Hmm, interesting. Interesting. You, you, you would say that, especially after having dodged so many Easterling dragon emperors at, uh, Articon, because that, that, the East, so some of the Eastling Emperor lists were all over the shop in terms of top table, mid, mid range and, uh, bottom of the ranks. So it's interesting that you, you haven't really got some experience, which kind of explains a little bit of your movements, how you were playing a lot more cagey and a lot more, uh, conservative in the early games until yeah. I got that, that big move off on turn three where, uh, uh, just kind of like paint the picture for everyone. Uh, there was a, there was a turn where I lost priority and I'm like, this is a turn where I can really do some damage here and really, really make a really big proactive move. And I called the, I called for the drum, but I also called a channel with bro gear to kind of threaten a, a tremor through like a whole bunch of guys. And they're like, you know, everyone's like heard the stories of bro gear, you know, like tremor and killing like 10 guys. Cause it, you know, he rolls stupid high and just hits a massive line. So I actually did, the smart thing where he dispersed his entire army, you know, made it so uh, a tremor was only going to hit two, maybe three models, which is, is not worth the investment. So I pivoted to the fury and juked my entire army to the left, uh, uh, which was, uh, Alishia's right flank, hoping that 
with the amount of models he pulled to reinforce the right because it I, I, it looked like I was running head stretch first straight at the master of blaze town who was pretty much sitting on the on the on uh, LSU's five right objective and I think it I think enough models has moved away from the left flank where I can change change basically pivot change which direction I'm going and get over there and and hope that I can mop up the you know the remaining lay town and then use my drum to bring back the models that went to went aggressive on that left flank bring them back to the right so that I can protect my own objectives Yeah, I mean, it was definitely an interesting, like, deployment going. I assumed, like, from the get-go, I assumed you were going to get one of them because, like, if you're going to concentrate everything between Rutabi, the Emperor, and Brogir, you're going to break a hole somewhere. So I kind of figured mm. you would get one. I definitely feel like I I misplayed the, uh, the two that I was going to defend. The way the board was set up was that there was this object, this uh, building kind of in the middle, and then there were some buildings scattered throughout. Two of the objectives were kind of funneled through the right side, my right side of the board, Kylie's left side. Um, and there was almost, there was like, there was a, a channel there. And then one of them was like by a building. I deployed more heavily on my left side, thinking I would take those two and then hoping to be reactive on my right side it would have been much better for me to have deployed on the right side because I then would have been defending within the channel. And I think the right side of the board beyond that was technically more open in comparison to the left side. So in theory, mm. it would have given me some additional opportunity to wrap around. Um, it was definitely like, there was definitely more caginess on my side. Uh it's in so Army of Lake Town plays just slightly differently from survivors, and that obviously Bard is less of a consequential piece from the perspective of he's not your leader, but he's also less of a versatile piece in that you are generally not going to put the my points on Bard from Alfred. So that was a little bit interesting to try to navigate. I thought in hindsight, I think I should have committed to a side and then try to throw Bard up the channel. My fear was that you would tremor one of the girls and then all of a sudden like bar would be gallivanting up to the front and then, yeah nope i'm coming back um i still think it probably would have been better to try to hide the girls and then really commit with bard and then try yeah to I, I think... and then come over from there um in the end i ended up i tried to defend the objectives and then i committed more on the left side with models I don't know why, considering the low courage of the Army of Lake Town models, I wasn't considering the Drake as much that I should have, because obviously you're going to naturally stand on top of the objective and you cause terror. And I'm, you know, hmm. courage too. So it was definitely like, I... I think uh, Braga needed to to lead a force running up that, that right flank. Because that was that was my biggest worry was Braga, you know, leads it to contingent and just runs it that right flank objective. Because if there's anyone in your list that can outside of Bard mm -hmm. um, that could put pressure on an objective, it's Braga. So if Braga runs at it, you know, he can force through a courage test with some might and some will, get into the Drake, and you just need one decent combat to go through where you where you get the wounds through uh, and flush him off the objective. That's why I was like constantly having to like pull guys back, pull guys back, because I, I felt like Bard, he, he could have gone for an objective run uh, at, at any point, but kind of my gut feeling was that 
Bard was constantly being put in check by the Emperor and Rutabi, mm-hmm. uh, depending on what side of the buildings uh, he was on. So he was kind of in this this spot of like he had to make like it, it was going to be a lot for him to cr- find an opening where you could run in heroic combat and get past me because that was the thing I was like whole game I was worried about the most was Bard finding a combat somewhere heroic combating slinking past me and then I I, I don't have a lot to deal with you know a, a mounted three attack three wound hero with three points of might because all my might is forward being aggressive so if I had to trade it out that way I was I was going to be in a, a really tough spot which is part of the reason why I was keeping so many of my cataphracts in that position to to go well if Bard comes forward throw a cataphract in box it block the heroic combat just throw bodies onto him so that he can't heroic combat well, yeah I mean it definitely worked out Bard was kind of like I really like Army of Lake Town. Uh, Bard kind of, he does a lot for the list. And I think on my, like, generally speaking, I played Bard more passively than I should have. Bard was good because, obviously, of all the pieces that I have outside of, like, Braga, I think Bard's the piece that I can cause you. Like, you have a lot of pieces where I have to react. Bard's are useful in that. That's one of the few pieces where you have to really react based on what I do. And like Bard had mm. some good moments. I think Bard sitting and shooting the cataphract off of your objective was definitely a good moment. That for was him. that was heartbreaking. Like I, I, I'm glad that I had planned for if that cataphract died with the heroic combat with the emperor to throw Bert Brogy backwards with a might point, so that I wasn't as reliant on priority, but. Yeah, there was some there was some times in that game where I saw Bard's positioning and Bilbo's positioning as well. Going man, a charge from Bard with a Bilbo slipping on the ring—that's that's a dead emperor if I'm not careful. But yeah, luckily I was able to like kind of see that a turn a turn ahead and you know go gangbusters with Rutabi, kill the models around Bilbo. So Bilbo is kind of like sitting there, invisible, going, "There's no peel anymore. That's yeah, problem." Yeah. yeah. And thus, these the end of your run, Kylie, and earning the title of Destroyer of the Unexpected Podcast. And <laughs> Philly SPP, not, not quite all of it. Yeah, not quite all you've of it. Just, you've quelled <laughs> two not, not I, risings I, 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 at once. You got to come yeah. back and defeat the champ, okay? Undefeated over here. Just saying. All right, all right. I will, I will definitely keep that up. We, 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 we have a game slated next time I come over. But yeah, because going into this last game, this is why I played this last round so aggressively, because I, I thought at this point, well, Evan is like 12, 16, maybe even 20 VPs ahead of me at this point. There's no point in me kind of really trying to go for the, the, the big win, the, the first place. Yeah. So I'll just, I'll just play this game out fun. If I get, if I get the win, get second, awesome. Cause that's what I thought I was playing for at this point. But, uh, um, okay. yeah, I was, I was, this, this game was, this one, this one felt really fun to play and it felt really rewarding that every time I came up with an idea or a strategy, it kind of pretty much worked, which is rare, at least for me these days, of being able to come up with a strategy and, and execute it um, on the first go and not have to come up with a backup plan, which, yeah. It, I'm it, just it's, glad it's, you just earned this win, under, unlike the one with Matt. So Yeah, was, uh, was, not, <laughs> not cheesed it, yeah. yeah. But this, <laughs> didn't, didn't have it handed back to her on a silver platter. <laughs> yeah, because one thing I will say, uh, Alicia, your gameplay after I made that big move and threatened that left objective was just insane. I was like, the shift in focus and your laser-eyed focus after you realized your back was against the wall was just insane. It was like, 
uh, I, I've been likening it to uh, a beast, like like a wounded beast in the corner, like the most dangerous when they're when they're cornered and have nowhere to run. And like at that moment, like Alice just started lashing out, and I was like, oh. Sh- crap i'm being hit from 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 everywhere at once like suddenly the late hand just went into full aggression mode and yeah i was i had to like take a step moment like reset and then kind of meet that aggression head on with my own aggression and it yeah paid out for me all right well final game evan how'd that go for you right i was on table one final round so uh no pressure in this game whatsoever um but i learned I learned two things, I'd say, mainly from this game. Uh, number one is that Pits of Dalgaldur hates playing against Angmar, hates playing against Terror in any form, um, because that was just a nightmare, this game. I couldn't charge anything. And number two, I learned that uh, lists exist uh, that are not actually legendary legions, <laughs> which was crazy to me. <laughs> Because I had literally exclusively played against Legendary Legions this entire tournament. Uh, four of which were either my own army or Easterlings. So playing against pure Angmar, you know, no Legendary Legions, no nothing, was honestly a little bit refreshing. Uh, be it not for the fact that that matchup is really bad um, because my guys just can't do anything um to to do they can't do anything proactive i i need to i need to be able to secure some sort of lead early on and then attempt to maintain that lead i cannot i cannot take the fight to them so thankfully for me um the object scenarios are quite good for me in this particular circumstance because i can ban retrieval so i don't need to try and run after their objective and then we either play destroy the supplies or seize the prize. And we ended up playing seize the prize. Um, and I was able to run up, then turn to call ambush, uh, wrap around the prize and pick it up. Um, which at that point um, gave me a, what I thought was a crushing advantage until I realized that if you compel a model with the prize, you can make them drop the prize which was horrifying, um, especially after the Witch King went up and I think he two-dice sap-willed Azog, who had the prize, rolled the six, I failed the resistance to magic, and then he took every single one of Azog's points of will. Ooh, so you just with the White Logs. And Ouch. I was... Well, I had dismounted at that point because I had dismounted oh. Azog to try and pick up the objective. Um, so I was terrified. But I did have a plan B. And that was throw in some guys, have them die, um, get broken. And that I was never going to prevent that. But um, just just to like briefly get through this game because this podcast has been going very long. Um, mm. It was a lot of walling off the Witch King. I was able to basically trap him behind orcs and get him so that he couldn't get around this really annoying building that was just a ton of difficult terrain. Um, so he was basically stuck in this little alcove and I was able to prevent a lot of spells on Azog and uh, the White Ward that way just by not being in range of him. Um, and really the big threat at that point was Gulivar. And I was able to put put a bunch of guys all over the place in order to create no-fly zones. So he really couldn't land anywhere super 
super painful to me. I couldn't wall off everywhere, unfortunately, because he was just killing through my guys and about to break me. Um, but uh, eventually what happened is I passed the object from Azog to the Warg, which gave me a couple things. One, the Warg is fearless, so I don't need to care about um, the specters. I don't need to care about uh, breaking or anything like that. And two, the Warg is faster. And um, three, the Warg had a will point still, um, which was very, very important. The Warg had all three might points and a will point. So on the last turn of the game, he had just broken me. Um, I was able to push the Warg into his half of the board edge, just isolated sort of on his own with the house that was blocking the Witch King still there. So the Witch King couldn't really get around to get into him. Um, and then there was this nice little shack um, where I was able to sort of use the remainder of my very small amount of models at this point to create this no-fly zone so Gullivar couldn't get into the warg. Um, so he had two chances to either win this game or draw this game. One of them was he made a very smart move and dismounted the Witch King and was able to slide him in and get a... Uh, try and get a compel off on the warg. Um, he rolled a five, and uh, I, of course, had my resistant to magic and my one other die to resist. I was able to resist, and I had my three might points. So even if I failed, that was pretty much guaranteed. His other chance was, uh, honestly, I don't know what I was thinking that turn. I left Azog too exposed, and he was able to barge with Gullivar into Azog. I had called a strike, but it was still super, super um, 50-50, honestly, because uh, I had no might left with Azog, so I had to rely on either rolling better than him or rolling that six, and I managed to do it. Um, so it was a super, super tight game. Uh, ended up being a 5-3 win to me, which oh, wow. meant that I had only gotten a minor win instead of a major win. And because of that... Kylie just picked me out. So I came in second One place and Kylie came in first. Which is and actually super point. shocking for me. I actually did not know what the score was until I was announcing it. Yeah. And De- Devin, it, did, like... Devin did not know how tournament points worked because he was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like afterwards he grabbed me. He's like, something went wrong here. Like how, how could you possibly not win the tournament? You had so many more VPs. And I was like, no, Devin. I didn't get that last tournament point on the last game. Um, I didn't know what your yeah. tournament points were, really. I just kind of was like, well, you lost on table one. So. Well, ac- actually, if you read the um, the tournament pack, it will explain how tournament points work. I don't know. <laughs> oh, he that never thing. reads that. I don't Come on. Reads that. <laughs> he he reads players packs. So <laughs> well, Devin hasn't read the Nova tournament pack since 2017. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I'm going to continue to not read that. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. And after that win as well, like after getting like finding out that I had won the tournament, I was like shocked. I'm like, what? How? Like five. I'd See, at least you were shocked with me because I was like, because uh, like, I was like, reaction. I was dumbfounded that, that that had happened. Like I thought I was like, yeah, lock second. This is a great result. Second at Nova, like awesome. And then someone says, no, you've won. I'm like, no. And then like mapped it out for me. I'm like, oh my god. Those three games where I just managed to scrape in and use my army bonus to like convert the minor into a major that came in clutch. Like yeah. it mattered. It mattered 
a lot. Like there were so many chances in this tournament where you know one pip lower, you know that that three is that is a one instead, and yeah, I I lose I lose the tournament on uh, on countback uh, with victory points scored. So yeah, I got I got have to have to say like over the whole tournament to that that Eastling army bonus to continue the game because that thing is that thing is dumb. <laughs> it's it's like I don't know why that army bonus exists in that particular way. I don't think it's, anyone it's, even thinks it's like bit like good. <laughs> like, I, I think know. I think it's it's super good because it just allows you to win more and allows you to compete in games that you should win. So sorry, you should lose. Yeah. Like t- getting an extra turn is just like a whole turn. Is, so much can happen in a whole turn. All I right. just realized that I never mentioned my opponent's name for the final round. And I'm sorry about that. Brian Anderson. He was a lovely yes. guy. He came. Yeah. Came Seattle group. Um, um, yeah. yeah. Really, really good player. Um, really good. Actually, I was super, watching super tough game play because I like, um, you know, basically camped mm-hmm. you guys and uh, he was yeah, very solid player. Yeah, one of the yeah. things I was really impressed with with Brian's play, I, I caught some of the, some of his moves throughout the tournament was uh, his use of specters to set up hell lines. Yeah, and and to to he wasn't using specters as like aggressively as most people do, like using them to pull things forward. He was using the cool things to the side and set up for other plays in the following turns. It was really 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 clever the way he was using specters. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, not a lot of players like know how to use specters to block off. To use it to block off shield wall engagements, and obviously again setting up the hill lines for for because yeah, it was really something special to watch. And the, the few, few few times I saw it happen. All right, well then that's all the uh, twelve games for uh, all the people who podiumed, and so. Uh, with that in mind, let us know if you want any other thoughts of Nova. Um, for you viewers out there, just sell in the comment section below. Just tell us, hey, uh, what are the things that you want to hear about for Nova? Maybe stats, you know, everything that went on with it. Uh, but uh, other than that, um, oh, uh, one more thing we haven't we haven't done a list review in a long time, and uh, yeah, people I think have given up on us just because we've been doing so many tournament reviews where we're talking about our own lists, but. Um, we, we are, we are coming out of the summer and the, the heavy tournament phase. So we are going to be starting to do some episodes on, uh, different subjects and army reviews and reviews of army tactics and things like that. And we will be doing some list reviews. So, um, uh, if you, if you have a list you want to take a look at, um, and, and you don't need it immediately, um, go ahead and, uh, submit it and we will, uh, we'll take a look at it and, uh, give you our thoughts. And oh, by the way, uh, we're also probably going to be moving the list review section to the end of the podcast rather than the beginning. Um, so if you have a list uh, and you want to have it reviewed um, and it's in there, uh, keep listening till the end because it may be there. All right. And with that being said, we'll talk to you all very soon. Bye, everybody. Absolute games. <laughs>
New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.